Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. All right, so not a bad day at all today. Very good tomorrow. Tomorrow's one of those extra special days. Paper-wise, this morning, Cowan and Out is the headline making this morning sun. In fact, all of the tabloids and the broadsheets have one thing in common. The vast majority of them lead with uh, Barry Cowan, the ex-agriculture minister, sacked last night over his 2016 drink-drive controversy. Minister fired after two weeks. He's not the shortest minister ever. I think Jim McDade was in office for a day, but 16 days, uh, not a very long uh, tenure in a ministerial portfolio, and he's very annoyed about it. On your bike, Cowan, is the front page of the Mirror today. Martin tells Doyle of decision after TD's 17 days in the Cabinet. Now, Barry Cowan is doing different things now, including uh, taking on the Gardaí, asserting his rights under GTPR as, as a citizen of Ireland, uh, wanting an investigation as to who leaked whatever information was leaked by the Gardaí or members of the force or whomever, um, and also who accessed his details on Pulse. So as to whether or not he's going to take legal action against the newspapers who actually ran that leaked information, who's to know? But the drink drive minister sacked. Why? Well, because apparently Micheál Martin got to see the Garda report yesterday and he said there were aspects within the Garda report that Barry Cowan needed to address in the doll. You know, this aspect of, you know, the allegation that he tried to turn his car around or he did turn his car around uh, and tried to evade the Gardaí, which of course Barry Cowan strenuously denied ever happened. Um, apparently Micheál Martin said he needed to address that in the doll. Barry Cowan wouldn't do it. He was given time to think about it. Uh, he refused, and then he got sacked. Uh, so Cowan sacked after this uh, whole affair just is not going away. So many of the papers with that one today. As to what's going to happen next Monday, I think really at this stage, uh, and the cabinet will decide today, Neffet met yesterday, uh, and they will give uh, medical advice to the government, and then the government will meet later this afternoon. The Cabinet will meet and they'll decide as to what's going to happen on Monday regarding the pubs, for instance, and the green list of countries. I think the green list of countries will go ahead. Uh, the Tarnishta, who seems to be talking an awful lot more these days uh, on uh, matters of state than the Taoiseach, who unfortunately seems to have just been caught in the headlights of Barry Cowan. But um, certainly, Elio Varadkar said that people would be as safe or maybe even safer now in green countries than they would be in Killarney or Dublin. So it's D-Day for the pubs today and uh, the if you're a betting man you say that the pubs would be pushed back by a couple of weeks anyway, wouldn't you? Um, of course, also the Galway races are around the track, so pardon the pun. So is that going to go ahead? That's 70 million to Galway by all accounts. It's a front page story in the Star today. Michael Martin does say that he'd be more worried about house parties than trips overseas. He says the real issue now is house parties, 16, 70 people particularly young people, because all young people now, the vast majority of people contracting COVID now, yesterday we had 32, the vast majority of them are are young people. He's more worried about that, he says, in the sun this morning than, say, for instance, people going to safe countries, and we need to do something about that, he's saying. But the pubs are still in the dark with regards to when they can open and, you know, what circumstances they'll be allowed to open under. And the Mail this morning talks to a lot of different publicans, particularly in Dublin, as to, you know, what are they going to do? But there won't be mandatory quarantine for people coming into Ireland in the sense that they're not going to be told you must go to an assigned hotel or a place where we will watch you every day and there will be staff to watch it. He says that won't work. It turned into a bit of a disaster in other countries like Australia where they tried to do it. Well, I didn't know that, but uh, ruling out quarantine. Um, but it, it's still an issue at the same time because the people coming into Ireland on their holidays and we've been dealing with that on the air. So because of the quarantine, 
uh, even though it is very much left down to your own volition. Uh, Ryanair is saying that people just aren't flying in the kind of numbers that would justify all of their planes in the air. So the mail this morning says Ryanair have axed a thousand flights due to the obligation on tourists uh, to quarantine for 14 days. Or indeed, Irish people were told you can go on your holidays, but when you come back, you can't come back to work unless you quarantine. More and more companies uh, are doing that. Although, I don't think that's legally enforceable. I was reading yesterday uh, that uh, a law firm said that you couldn't enforce this in the workplace from a legal aspect. And also, citizens' information uh, are also saying the same thing. It's not legally enforceable. So Ryanair cutting flights, that's the story also from the Echo today. A couple of local stories of interest. One has to do with the derelict buildings on the North Main Street. Apparently, work is due to begin on those derelict buildings because it's been a massive negative for the area since June of 2019 when it got uh, shut down that uh, part of North Main Street because of the building collapse. And on top of that then, they also talk locally. I mean, it's a lovely story because it could be Ireland's tallest building. And we're talking about down at the Custom House Quay, you know, at the old port of Corksite. This would be a very, very tall tower, Custom House Tower. And that's all very well. But up on the top of it, they want to put a sky bar. So the developers say that this would be Ireland's tallest building. They've been asked to reconsider the plans for a sky top bar and restaurant because the fire chief is saying that there might be issues regarding uh, emergency exit uh, if there's a fire or if there's an emergency. And they're saying that the proposed uh, means of escape in an emergency are seriously inadequate. It'd be great if they could work that out, that we did get a sky bar and that people would be able to get out if there was a an emergency. So hopefully that will be able to be sorted because it will be a great attraction, not just for us, but also for people coming to the coming to the city. So the new look McCurtain Street that we've been talking about and the money that's been ploughed in by, by City Hall, well, that's been welcomed by all of the businesses. It'll cut down traffic on the street by 70% and that'll allow a lot more footfall. And of course, that's the way they want things to go. The 13 billion euro tax bill for Apple. You know, the deal with Apple was that um, the European Commission said that Apple in collusion with Ireland, didn't pay enough tax in Ireland. Apple were paying a tax rate of 0.005%. I mean, it's not even 1%, not even half a percent, 0.005%. And it amounted to 13 billion. So the European Union said, you've got to pay that. Apple and Ireland said, no, 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 leave them alone. They're grand. We, we, won't, we won't be doing that. So a decision will be made today as to whether Apple need to pay that money. It's sitting in an account, resting in an account, if you like. There are other stories then locally which come back to, and some of them quite funny. Like, for instance, if you have a beer belly, apparently it slashes your chances of ever becoming a dad. And weekly sex makes you live longer. Or as they say in the sun this morning, weekly sex makes you live schlonger. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Our lines are open. Um, also, there's a, a very, very sad story because I know I deal with this where people get scammed uh, on this programme quite regularly. But there is a court report this morning in the Echo, of a vulnerable 61-year-old man living in sheltered accommodation in Ducloyne. He trusted a man working as a cleaner in the complex, uh, and this man that he trusted then cleaned out, I don't know if he got everything in the bank account, but he certainly got €4,410 from this uh, um, vulnerable man's bank account. Um, And there are multiple charges now against a guy called Zaldi Tan from Wilton, who pleaded guilty to uh, multiple thefts 
from this uh, man. He was working Zandi Tan as a cleaner at the time and he repeatedly used the 61-year-old's bank card to make withdrawals for his own benefit. It was later established that the amount was 4,410. He's a part-time cleaner. There was 19 separate transactions that they spoke about in court. He had the card and he had the PIN number uh, and apparently he had the PIN number because the gentleman had given him the PIN number uh, to withdraw some money from, but Zandi Tan kept the PIN number and then was withdrawing money. He was saying that his family back in the Philippines needed the money. His father had no access to medical intervention uh, and he was assisting his family. Well, he wasn't, but the 61-year-old vulnerable man was. Anyway, Olin Kelleher has given him a bit of time. Your man bought 300 euro to court, to court district court yesterday, but the judge said um, that if you don't come back on September 22nd, with all of the money, the 4,110 euro, you're going to jail, my friend. So we'll update with that one in September to see if Zandi Tan comes up with the balance and avoids jail. Um, lines are open at one 106 We'll come back to issues like that and scams throughout the next couple of days. But Val, good morning. Good morning. An awful lot of criticism at the moment with regards to people coming into Ireland, not quarantining, wanting to go on holidays, Americans coming in. You're, you're aware of this. We had a lot of those stories yesterday. What's your own scenario? Well, we've crossed over from, um, to Ross Lair from Fishguard on uh, Friday night um, just to come because Boris said we could come and Wales opened up so we could travel through we have a property here um, that I inherited from my mother uh, on the Cork coast and we wanted to come and do some work here in the garden and the house and just have a little break really as we were allowed to come, bearing in mind that we knew we would have to isolate for 14 days in quarantine, which is absolutely fine. And we then just have three days before we turn around and go back. So we'll do a gallop around to see my relations locally and we just feel that, um, as yesterday was the lady on the phone first thing yesterday morning, um, she said, well, you know, it, as stated on the form, the locator form, you might get a phone call. But my husband and I feel that really you should get a call from the guards, you know, to check if you're at your property. It's no, there's no point in phoning mobile phones. Yeah, because um, people are are not answering them or they're giving yeah. wrong numbers. But certainly many of the people that I spoke to on the air yesterday morning who've come from overseas, a lot of them UK, one or two Americans, they got no phone calls from anybody checking. And some of them have been in the country a fortnight. No, that, that's right. And I think, would there be a reason why the local guards couldn't just pay a visit to the property? Because that's going to be far more effective, surely, than trying to locate people on a bogus phone number. Well, the first port of call could well be a phone call because otherwise the guards would be... It would be chaotic with squad cars driving all over West Cork, for instance, looking for tourists, you know? Yeah, but you're only going to one property. You know, there can't be millions of people quarantining in West Cork, for example, and each well, 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 has I, a local guard. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing the guards can do anyway if you're not quarantined. They can't arrest you. You know, it's... So it's, it's not legal. It, yeah, in that regard. So anybody could flaunt it, really, and... Well, they are, um, you see. That's the problem. Yeah. No, not, you're not, clearly, because you, you've, you've, no. got, you've got what we call cop on, but others are. That's why they're being seen yeah. in West Cork and uh, all around the, the, the Ring of Kerry and the Wild Atlantic Way, and I saw them in yeah. Dingle and another see them in Killarney. Well, it's, it's terrible because... You know, we all have a responsibility to one another. And uh, I just was wondering whether that, you know, could be something 
that was done, that's all. Yeah, but did you meet anybody when you, like, do you think that you could have put any, I mean, did you get a COVID test or anything before you left? No. Okay. We've, you know, we've been, um, where we live, we've been very careful. We haven't been in contact with anybody um, as such. You know, we haven't been in big shops or anything. And we don't feel that we are a risk, no. Have, but we have, you, been still... in, have you been in small shops, though? Oh, yeah, small shops with masks. But we, we feel that um, there was there was very few people on the ferry, so I don't know. There was about six vehicles and a van on the deck we were on. Oh, I know. So I, don't know where, I don't know where people are c- coming in from. You know, that doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, it's it's a crazy situation. Our daughter would have liked to have come with us, but, you know, she doesn't have the time. And, but you, you haven't know, met anybody. Days. You haven't met anybody. Yeah, we, we haven't been anywhere. We've just shut the gate here and we've got enough food and drink to keep us going. Yeah, yeah. Are you originally from Cork, is that right? Yeah, I come from Cork, yeah. From uh, around Sunday's uh, Well, I think, isn't it? Yeah, we lived in Sunday's Well for years and then my mother bought this uh, bungalow to retire to. Um, so we inherited that and we come backwards and forwards, yeah. And you did nursing then when you, you left to go to London when you were 18? Yes, that's right. Mm. Yep. Oh, lovely. Did, yeah. And yeah. Come here, you know, when you talk about Surrey, isn't that where they were all crammed on the beaches? Uh, that was, well, Sussex, right down on the coast, Jan, Brighton, yeah. Sussex, so, south of where we are. Yeah, that was yeah. scary to see, though. That was absolutely ridiculous, yeah. Really bad, yeah. And are you happy with the way the UK is handling coronavirus and, and Boris Johnson and... The pub's well, being there's open. Always and... going, there's always going to be people who do their own thing. That's, you know, you, you can't control everybody. And, it, you know, for example, in Leicester, they've had a spike. So, you know, if, if they're the ones having the parties or anything else, and, you know, things are going to get out of hand again. If, well, we've, if we've, everybody we've stops taking it seriously, then we'll be back to square one. Okay. All right. So you're in two weeks quarantine. But yeah, you we're do on go- day five today. Yeah. And how's that going for you? Yeah, it's fine. Absolutely fine. We have plenty to do to amuse ourselves here. Yeah. Yeah. You're working on the cottage or the bungalow? And we're working in the garden. We've got a big garden here. So, All right. Yeah. Okay. Let yeah. you, I'll let you get back to it. Yeah. Thanks for that. Cheers okay, for now. Okay, thanks. Take Your show care. is great. Thanks. Cheers, bye. bye. The Department of Defence has confirmed uh, that uh, a Navy sailor on board the L.E. George Bernard Shaw has tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, the ship returned to Naval HQ in Hall Bolan. On the 3rd of July, it had been at sea for a month. Uh, The crew were then sent home for the weekend. Uh, The Department of Defence spokesperson said that a crew member was to report for duty on Monday but failed to turn up. The man, believed to be uh, in his 20s, went to his GP on the Tuesday feeling unwell and was tested for COVID-19. He was found positive for the virus on the Thursday. Uh, So you see how this works. They come in at the weekend. He didn't go back to work on Monday. He was feeling unwell. He got a test on the Tuesday. He was found that he was positive when the test came back on the Thursday. Uh, We asked them some questions, but the Department of Defence said the crew member picked up the virus while at home and no other crew member is showing symptoms. Uh, They said the ship underwent a deep clean as a precautionary measure. Uh, So that's what the Department of Defence say, and they say they can stand over that. How, I don't know, but they're saying that he didn't uh, and it wasn't on board the ship. It was after he came back. Um, mind you, if that were the case, the symptoms showed up really, really fast after he got off the ship. And then there's sad news on Lee's side with the you know, closure of uh, a very, very important uh, respite 
um, and uh, nursing home, a care home on the north side of the city, Cara House, also known as Mount Cara on Redemption Road on the north side. It takes 25 residents and very dedicated staff providing respite for the elderly. It's been lost, lads. Uh, it's been closed. Apparently, it's all down to funding, you know, the most vulnerable and lack of funding. And then there was a report yesterday saying that there is a worrying upward trend of coronavirus and COVID-19 back in some Cork nursing homes. So all that's a worry when you think of the numbers and, uh, you know, the fact that it hasn't gone away and it's probably going to have another another spike, um, you know, particularly when, when temperatures start to drop the back autumn and early winter. Ali, good morning. Hi there, Neil. Um, you've been quarantining a week. Where'd you come home from? Uh, from Melbourne, Australia. Okay. How, how did you manage to even jump a flight from Melbourne to, to Ireland? Uh, well, there were still flights going through Qatar. Um, actually, we had booked it about two weeks in advance. Um, and about five days before we were leaving, Melbourne actually announced that they were stopping all international flights coming in. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit hit or miss for the couple of days. There wasn't really in, any information. So we weren't really sure if the flight wasn't going to come in all the way from Qatar, were we going to be able to get out? Uh, but luckily we did, and it was pretty smooth all the way over. But yeah, we were lucky to get back, really. Talk to me about that long flight, if you will, with regards to sanitation, the airplane. Did you wear a mask all the way? It's a long flight. Yeah, so we had brought masks ourselves um, and then we were also given face shields to wear on the plane. Um, So you had to wear them the whole time. That's the Perspex, is it? Yes, yeah, yeah. And then you were given kind of immunity kits as well that had like gloves, sand, kind of hand sanitizer. And then all staff were in kind of like, oh, kind of a lot of PPE gear, like hazmat suits kind of thing so it, it was quite bizarre it was bizarre experience. so you had all of that on sitting in the chair sitting in your seat did you yeah yeah now there wasn't really it was really strict when you were getting on um but i suppose it was a lot to ask of the airline staff to make everybody wear them um so you could see kind of going through the flight that people were taking it off and things like that but did I that spooked that you did you take it off no, I didn't. Um, the only time I took anything off was when I was eating. Um, the shield, I did go to sleep, but I left the actual face mask on um, and took the shield off. Uh, but yeah, that was about it. Everything else kind of I kept on the whole time. Okay. And was it reduced seating? Like, were there people next to you and things like that? Yeah, so it was, um, they had like spaces between each seat. Um, and I actually threw Aer Lingus to, from, from Stansted as well. Um, and it was hardly Stansted, well. though, surely. I don't think they fly. Oh, sorry, Heathrow. Heathrow, sorry. okay. Yeah. And that was masks as well and things like that? Masks as well. And then the seat uh, in the middle was free as well. There wasn't really many people on the flight from Heathrow, though, either. Yeah, well, Aer Lingus might be keeping the middle seats free, but Ryanair certainly aren't. But was, so nobody asked you, was this a necessary journey when you got to Ireland? You didn't get questioned about it or anything? Um, I had to fill out a form, um, so I filled that out on the plane. When I arrived in Cork, then there wasn't kind of much said, which I was surprised at. Um, It was almost made out to me that the sheet was more just for kind of contact tracing. Yeah, that is what it's for. But did anybody ask you where your flight originated? I had to fill it out in the form, but when I actually got into Cork, nobody can ask. Uh, there was no testing. It was kind of like, oh, okay, on your way kind of thing. So nobody, the airport police didn't say, where did you come from? And you would say, Australia. No one said that. 
No, it, it was written on the sheet, but no, there was kind of nothing said. Really. Did they read the sheet? Yeah, they seemed to have read it, uh, but there was kind of nothing reiterated or anything like that. Yeah, because Australia, it's a long way through a lot of different airports, meeting a lot yeah. of different nationalities. But you walk out yeah. of Cork Airport then and it's up to you then to play ball or not. Yeah, pretty much. And like even at the time when we landed in Heathrow, it was just as it was announced Melbourne had gone back into lockdown as well. So I was kind of even more surprised that we weren't kind of questioned a bit more. All right. So there's not even, explain to me now, is there a priority where they might call people from countries that have travelled further distances faster than somebody who's come from the UK? Like, how long are you home now? I'm home eight days now and I haven't received any kind of call or check-in or anything Nothing. like that. Right. Nothing at so all, I, no. I, in the past, since yesterday morning, having spoken to numerous different people who have travelled, I'm, I'm still waiting to talk to somebody who got a follow-up phone call. Yeah, uh, and like it kind of surprises me as well that kind of they're not, you know, not putting it on the Gardaí, but that you know, we've got so many people on the COVID payments, I'd imagine that would love to be working, that you could set up something that, you know, people are kind of, investigating whether people are quarantining, That's you know? a super idea. That's, I mean, there's loads and loads of people. Actually, people would be, a lot of people might even be interested in doing work like that. Because clearly people aren't being called. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what I'd like to know is, if 1.2 or 1.3 million people have downloaded the app, right? Why mm. is it that, because I check it every day and I check it every night, just before going to bed last night, um, if 1.2 or 3 million people have it, how come late last night only 325,000 of them had checked in, which is like, say, one in four people are actually checking in and reporting on how they're feeling? Not too sure. Like, I feel like when the app first came out, just when I first came home, there was a lot of talk about it. And in the, even just the last couple of days, it's only been out kind of a week or two, I think. But if 1.2 um, million people have it, you'd think that 1.2 people, million people would be checking in every day. You would think that, but it, it's kind of, I guess, you know, there has to be, there needs to be somebody telling people that they no, need but to maybe they, Maybe we should get an alert. Or, I mean, if, if, if we're really serious about it, like if you've got a health app on your phone or one of those mm-hmm. apps that track your, your walking and your health and exercise, it'll, t- it won't, it'll encourage you, won't it? It'll send you little messages. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure it's quite easy to do with that. You Don't know, forget to check in today. Anything. Don't forget yeah. to check in. Okay, so have you been confined to barracks then for the last eight days? Yeah, pretty much. All I've been talking to is the dog and the radio pretty much. Um, just at home with my mum and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward for the quarantine period to be over. And are you in the same house as your mum? I am, yeah. Um, I, I came home with my partner and we had considered um, looking into booking a hotel where we could quarantine. Um, but to be honest, hotel prices for two weeks was between 1500 and 2000 And it, it wasn't really something feasible for us. And we were a bit worried about coming home to parents, you know, if we were bringing anything back. But we didn't really have any choice. Mm. And so you're around her and that and she goes out and... You're hugging, did you uh, hug her? And I mean, uh, listen, I'm only asking, you know, are you, are, you, are you staying apart from her? Yeah, I am staying apart as best I can. Now, she does, like, she does go out and do the shopping and stuff. She She's not working at the moment, so she kind of is quarantining as well. Um, she, she was even saying to me that 
kind of after the whole quarantine thing, she's she's almost kind of, you know, afraid to kind of go out and about a bit as well. Um, she's finding it hard for that. So we are kind of like staying in as best we can. She's staying in as best she can and stuff like that. But, but you see how easy, I'm not suggesting, and I don't mean to alarm you, but you mm-hmm. hug your mother having come back from Australia. It turns out for, you obviously don't have COVID-19 because you'd have had it by now, you know. We yeah. know, we know about it, it's eight days. Um, but she say you did in the early days and then she went out and she met her mm-hmm. friends or she picked up fruit and put it back down somebody else picked up the fruit and then we wonder how someone gets COVID-19 they got it from someone and came back from Australia do you see? Yeah no definitely and I totally agree with you um, but I suppose there's nothing in place to 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 stop that either um, you know that was a really real worry for myself as well you know that yes I'm quarantining but I also live with my mum who yeah. has to get on with life as well you know. Yeah. Okay. Fair play to you. Well, um, after the period of time, then do you will you stay on longer, or what's the story there? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much back for good All right. for now. Anyway, okay. um, I was planning on travelling for another year, but I guess that's kind of not really feasible right now at the moment. But I've been away four years, so I suppose it's about time to come back. All right. Exciting times then. Thanks so much, Ali. Welcome home. Cheers, thank you. Back Bye after then. the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Are you not hearing uh, a whole lot of, um, you know, airline advertising on Irish radio or indeed, you know, overseas countries inviting people to go to Portugal or Spain or things like that at the moment? It might well change when we get the green list of uh, countries that people will be allowed to go on their halls. But right now, it, it ain't happening. But I'm told, somebody says, that it is happening in Scotland, that on Scottish radio... Uh, there's a ferry company now advertising carcations to Ireland. And it's on Scottish radio ad breaks at the moment. Go on a carcation to Ireland. Mm, it's really, really strange times. Um, you know, and, and then when you come into the country, of course, I'm still waiting on someone who actually did get a phone call, a follow-up phone call. But John, good morning. Hello, Neil. So, morning. You, have, so you have carcationing advertising in Scotland, maybe another English radio stations as well, telling people, go on your halls, take the ferry to Ireland. Uh, I wish they'd say holiday with your parents. It's a ridiculous word, carcations. It's ridiculous, I think. I, love the, I like it, actually. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I like so carcation. I like staycation. Anyway, listen, I won't keep you now, but before I say anything, I, I just want to comment on Cara House. You, you just told us there that Cara House was closing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, that brought to mind what has happened in our um, nursing homes. And I think it's not good enough for Michal Martin not to have an inquiry. Uh, and when the COVID committee uh, were listening to Paul Reid, the head of the HSE, all he could say was, well, Dr. David Navarro from the WHO was quite happy with the way we handled things. Well, I wish someone on the committee could have said, Dr. Navarro might be happy, but we're not happy. You know, they've, they've just fobbed off by the, the department secretary and the head of the HSE and they just sat, sat there like stuffed dummies. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't remember way back in the early days when we were scrambling to get all of this PPE from China that anybody was including know, nursing homes when I, they were talking about essential this. frontline staff. Yeah, sorry to cut across your need. I, I, I'm just talking about the reaction of the committee that's supposed to be investigating. No, they say there won't be. They say there won't be an inquiry, but that's the work. That's no. the job for the opposition to to push on that it one. Is, yeah, I'll, I'll get on to Tom Gould about it. Anyway, I like I like the idea of uh, somebody texting me to say we should create COVID officers to check out people isolating 
and COVID officers who will do the checking on the buses. We would be creating new jobs for people who lost their jobs and we could give them six-month contracts, renewable if needed. It's a great idea. Yeah, I, I heard that all right. But the only thing, Neil, as Dr. Marcus de Bruyne said, you had a wonderful interview the other morning. Thank that you. Yeah, he's, a good, he's a good interview. Yeah, he was. He had a different yeah. perspective on things. I That's thought important. You, you covered most aspects of it. But the thing is, um, as he said, the, the most worrying thing about this bloody virus now is what it's doing to our society, how it's dividing people. That's what I'm worried about, how it's socially divisive. But look, I won't keep your, 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 your time as well, but I won't uh, keep you too long. But I have a question for you. I wonder if you could help me. I understand there is such a thing as a machine that exists which can give you a test and you get the result in about 20 minutes. Football clubs in England are using it to test players. Didn't know anything about 20 minutes, to be quite honest with you. Well, it, apparently it's a half an hour test at most. You get a quick test, and it determines whether or not you have the virus. Okay. Anybody know anything about that? I I always thought well, that you know. I, that... I wonder. Would you be able to check? Well, apparently it's been used by football clubs. It costs about a million pounds, by the way. Uh, the the, uh, the unit costs the... a million pounds. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, the um, the Celtic um, football club, Glasgow Celtic, have bought two of them. Well, but, good for them. Uh, they must have deep pockets. So, oh, yeah, but we would put one of these million euro pieces of kit at every airport and every ferry port. I think there should be quick tests. I can't get an answer to the question: Why are we not testing people coming in at the airport? I have no idea, and I don't know why. For instance, their temperature hasn't even been taken. My temperature gets taken in an awful lot of places that I'm going into these days, but. Nobody gets a temperature check at an airport. Sure, they don't. I mean, correct me if no, I'm wrong. No, no but, but I heard Killian the Gascoon saying on radio there's no point in testing people at the airport because they could develop it two or three days later. Oh, well, at least I know that, but at least it would make some kind but of you, a difference. It would give an indication. That undermines the whole bloody purpose of testing. If you're going to take that view of testing, you might as well not test Oh, for God's sake. I mean, you could just take their temperature to see if they're coming in with it and deal yeah, with the yeah, issues then yeah. and follow-up calls afterwards. All right, John, thank you for that. I, I need to talk to Billy, though, because he's been waiting an age. Billy, good morning. Good morning. You travelled... OK, tell me your story. You, you, went, you actually went to Scotland, wasn't it? I went to Scotland on the uh, 10th of May, which was the height of it, probably. Uh, my mother my mother had passed away with COVID-19, and I drove... I went to Anglesey Street, Garda Station on the Saturday, and told them what had happened. They took my name, my my car number. I then drove from Cork to Belfast, to got a ferry, Belfast to Stranra, Stranra to Glasgow. The from that day to this day, I've had no contact. So this has been going on for quite some time. It's not a new thing, that no contact. The government are really saying all these things are putting in place, but they're leaving it up to the public, really, to uh, guard themselves. But, well, they are actually saying you will get a follow-up call in a number of days, and people aren't well, getting follow-up calls. That's two months, That's two months. Oh, I know you and didn't after, get it, and and, and listen, right. my condolences on the loss of your mum. When you travelled from Cork to Belfast uh, or Stranraer, do the guards say that you shouldn't, or do they advise you with that regard? No, no, because I told them the circumstances. They were very good in Anglesey Street, and because I told them the circumstances, what he did say was he'd take my number plate, and uh, he just says if you get stopped on the way up, just explain the situation and that we know about it. So, in fairness to them, I was. 
I was quite pleased with that. Oh, I, I know, uh, and 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 that was that was nice of them. But I do know of people who were overseas who couldn't come to Ireland for the death of a parent um, mm-hmm. because of well, COVID nineteen. In the same way, coming back, I wasn't asked at any port going in or coming out where my destination was. There weren't. There's not one person had spoken to. Just basically wave you on the ferry. Nobody came near you. You were left to sort of keep your own distance. It was very quiet. There was hardly anybody on the yeah, ferry. Yeah. But uh, in that respect, just drove off and away I went. I could have been heading north or south just as easy. Well, so, yeah. So, and there were there were people coming into Ireland, you know, on the ferries who were going to yeah. big funerals up the country. We had an awful lot of those yeah, stories. Yeah, just with... all over the place. So, <laughs> you know, so but, there's been no contact and there's no, there's no recourse of wherever you're heading for. There's no contact whatsoever. And was it was it a very small funeral then in Scotland? Yeah, there was only uh, my mother had to get cremated, and uh, there was only ten of us allowed to to go to the funeral. You know, but where my mother lives, she lives in an estate, and uh, like for the neighbours now, they were all clapping. That's the way they do it over there. I think that's the kind of norm. But uh, did they come out to their front gates, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, because most of our neighbours would be elderly as well, so they were keeping their distance as well. But it was very, that was very touching, very moving. And were you, and we, yeah, oh, it's, I mean, there's actually, I was in a similar situation as you with, with regards to my mother-in-law who, who didn't die of COVID, but neighbours came out in Blackrock and down around Ballinor and down around Dunlockacar cottages, and you'd be you'd be moved to tears as you as you drive quietly down through the parks and the states with. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, that, that was another hard thing. Try to drive behind the horse yourself. Normally, you'd be in a family car. There was no family car. It was, it was until you experienced it. It was very, very hard. What were you in? I was, <clears throat> I was in my mother's car, fortunately. You know, uh, I, I used that when I go over there. I used my mum's car. But we- each, my sister and I, with, with they all being individual cars. Oh, one person per car. And were yeah. you in touch with your... I don't mean to pry now, but were you in touch with your mother in the weeks and months before? Yeah, and I managed to speak to her before I went on the ferry. In hospital? Yeah. Sorry. God. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's just, you know... That's I, I just feel that... They're leaving, they're leaving everybody to guard their own. What, what you do is up to the, each individual. Mm. And when I came home, I semi-isolated for, for two weeks as well when I came back home to Ireland. Uh, so, so it's a long, that was like six weeks for one visit, if you know what I mean. Oh, well, you did, listen, you did the right thing in, in fairness to you. But when you were there after the, the, the crematorium, did you all go your own separate ways? Or was there any time for you to catch up with family, brothers and sisters or anything like that? Well, uh, there was four days. Uh, my sister, we were round to my sister's garden, fortunately. It was a nice day. But we were only there. If, if, it, had, if it was an hour, it would be a long time. I know, you know, I know. The whole thing is it re- just, it's very surreal, isn't it? It was, you know. It's just, you, you keep saying yourself, it's not happened yet. You know, you, you have no said goodbye. You were hoping to it's get just, You were hoping to get off the other side and get to see her, but sadly she passed away yeah. when you were at sea. Yeah, well, I missed about 45 minutes. Oh, dear. I know. Oh, dear. That's just so sad. But listen, 
you can't you can't take from the effort you made. In fairness, no, no, in fairness. But uh, no, it's just when I was looking at that this morning, uh, the government they're saying one thing, but no fairness they're doing another. No, they're leaving us to please ourselves. Well, it is it is down to the individual for sure, but a phone call or a temperature check that would make a big difference for you know. Yeah, and as the lady said, there was one a landline, not one of these mobile phones where you could be anywhere. Somewhere where you're going to justify yourself to be absolutely need to contact it. Well, you have to have mobile phones, Billy, because not a lot of people don't even yeah. have landlines anymore, you know? Yeah, I suppose there's that too. Yeah, yeah, true. All true. right, well, listen, condolences on the passing of your mum. Thank you so much for taking the call. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All the best. Take care. Thanks, Billy. Back after the break. I hope Ma- uh, Clifford can wait. Uh, just Clifford, just give me two minutes and we'll be back. This on masks after these. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Okay, back to the phone lines to go. One, two, three, four. Uh, thanks for waiting. Much obliged. Clifford, good morning. Neil, how are you? Are you, uh, are you wearing a mask? No, not at the moment anyway, Neil. All right. Did you download the COVID app? I definitely won't be doing that, Neil. Okay, why, why no to both of those things? Well, I suppose we start with the masks, right, Neil? Yep. And you know something? If somebody could convince me to wear a mask, I'm not, I'm not against masks as such. I'm against, you know, the fear mongering and I'm against, the, you know, the, sort, the, 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 the face mask stuff, or, you know, telling everybody that they should be wearing masks. And with everything, Neil, I do my homework, do you know what I mean? And I've looked into this thing, man, and I've looked into the figures and I've looked into the government's propaganda and I've, I've spoken to people. And I've come to the conclusion, and and I have a friend that's a girl, no need, right? And I spoke to him the other day after seeing him for the first for, for, for a few months, you know. I said, what do you think about all this? He said, Clifford, this is the biggest scam I've ever seen in my life. And he's speaking as a girl, me. You know, I know if people really looked into this, deal, like you... Well, why, like, like, why would you say that a guard has any more information and knowledge than any of the rest of us? Well, well, why would you say a doctor has? Do you because, know what I mean? Because, because they're right? medics. Right because, now, they're, because, because they're trained. They're medics. But, uh, but, uh, but he, he, oh, he, I'm only just giving you the opinion of a girl who's on the front line. Other people may have different opinions, but I'm just saying, if you start asking other people here, there, and there, I'll, I'll give you an example, Neil. Do you know anybody with it? Do I personally know anybody? Yes. Um, actually, I do. I found out yesterday that a good friend of mine was absolutely crippled by it. So, oh, yeah. but I oh, don't know. I don't, I, and that, that I understand. I'm not denying that there's a virus there. But the amount of people that get this thing, that feed it, that actually come out the other side of it, like, you know, it's, it, it's got something like a 99.5% survival rate, Neil. And they have everybody walking around wearing masks, downloading apps, you know, practically, like, you know, snitching on their neighbours. It's just spitting everywhere. Do you know what I mean? It's the most. I, I, I look at this thing. And move around there, Clifford. Move around a bit. Yeah, go on, go on. Move along, can you hear me? Yeah, it's just a bit muffled. Try again. Okay, Neil, okay. How's that? You know, that's better. I have to take off the mask, you know, Neil. <laughs> I, I, I wear a mask indoors, but I find it fecking hard to breathe with the damn thing, but I'm, I'm certainly wearing it. I'm the fool, so am I? Well, I wouldn't call you a fool, Neil, right? But what I would say is, have you researched it? I don't think, when I say indoors, I'm not talking about at home now, don't get me wrong, but I, w- I was in shops yesterday buying bits and pieces. In fact, I had a mask on. And can I just say that I also met another buddy of mine who I hadn't seen in a long time who has COPD and emphysema, yes. right? That's right. And he had his mask on. So if he had no mask on and I had no mask on and I okay, was sick, okay, and I, hang on a second, and I was sick and I met him yesterday, emphysema, he'd have died. Here's my thing about masks, all right? 
first of all, your friend with emphysema would want to check his would want to check for himself because doctors are telling people with emphysema not to wear these things because they're dangerous, right? Now, as far as masks are concerned, right? The thing about this, right, Neil, is right. You can go on a bus, right? The government is not saying that you have to wear an N N95 mask. This is a proper mask, air filtration mask, right? That filters out like you know 95% of a virus if manufactured by a proper manufacturing company and if fitted 100% correctly. Now there's a lot of ifs in there, Neil. Right? Now this high spec mask that's manufactured 100% of the highest spec and fitted 100% correctly will filter out, we say, spores that are 0.3 microns in width. The virus is 0.2 microns in width. So even the best mask fitted. You know, perfectly. I, I know, but it all, it all helps to, it all helps to but, reduce. But you know, no, no, Neil, who said, well, I just told you there that the virus is 0.2 and the, and the best mask is 0.3. So a paper mask made in a sweatshop in China does not help. I don't have virus. a paper mask. I have a cloth mask. It's uh, reusable. That's, it, it's no different to, uh, to a paper mask if you blow it up underneath a microscope, Neil. Do you know what I mean? They, what, what so are you going around saying? hugging people and handshaking and all sorts of things? You tell it so that people want to hug me and they want to shake my hand. I shake their hand, no problem, because I'm not afraid of this virus, Neil. And to tell the truth, I believe like that the healthy population should be going away and actually, you know, you know, protecting the, the, the elderly and protecting everybody else by getting it themselves and leaving it past to our healthy immune system. But are you sticking your hand out to people, or are they... I say, look, man, if, if people shake my hand, I'll shake their hands, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not living in that society of fear, like, you know, I'm not living in this society of fear that's telling us, like, you know, that we can't shake hands, you know. I listened to somebody on your show yesterday, Neil, right? And she was actually telling her husband not to speak because he's from England. You know, like we're getting very not to speak in public because of his English accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're getting very it's getting very frightening, man. There's people, there's people like you know dying alone in nursing homes. It's like we have to count the human cost of all this as well. Neil, like when you look into all this and you say for a virus that has a ninety nine percent survival rate, for the amount of people that get it, that feed it, that's what the media don't tell you. The media are 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 driving the fear. They're driving. Not at all. I mean, that's not true. I've been saying since for months and months and months about the recovery rate and that the vast majority of people recover. That yeah, but me, I'm talking about the mainstream media. Me. The mainstream media are, 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 are driving the fear to keep the, to keep selling papers and to keep this this pandemic of fear in the country. Because as I said, like you can hop on a bus, Neil, with a mask made out of lace. There's no government recommendation that you need at least an. So you, do you take buses? No, I don't take buses. Okay, because if you did, you wouldn't wear a mask. Well, if I did, I'd explain to the bus driver, you know, like, you know, that this mask actually is actually completely ineffective against the spread of the virus. You're better off coughing into a tissue. But that's like, reckon. You're only wrecking the driver's head like. He, wasn't, he doesn't want to know any of that. He's trying to do his job. But he, but he, what about, what about? This is Imagine a fella getting on the bus this morning now, the 202, and he gives the, he gives the, the bus driver a scientific lecture on the quality of masks. What's wrong with that? He's got to... He doesn't want to know that. Well, but, but he should know that because he's the one that's now standing in the gap there and saying, like, you know, you dare to wear a mask on my bus and I don't care if you wear a lace mask. I don't care if the mask is a cheap paper-made mask made in China that absolutely does not stop the virus, like, you know, but you wear it because I say you wear it. And that's where my problem with all this is get, it, it, it gets a little bit kind of, you know, it's getting very Orwellian, like, you know, where people are watching each other. People are saying, oh, he has no mask and you should be wearing a mask. And they're, they're nearly ready to set up the face mask Gestapo for this one, like, you know. Well, I mean, I was glad I was wearing a mask yesterday when I met an acquaintance of mine with emphysema. 
well, I'm glad that you're happy and that that gives you comfort. It gives me none because I've looked into the science. The who have come out and said that they don't work. The CDC have said they don't work. Doctors have said that they don't work. I have about 100 links inside of my computer there from doctors telling you they don't stop the spread of a virus. Fauci came out and said it. And then everybody is still walking around wearing paper masks made in China. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's, got, it's like because the media hasn't driven to such a point in this country that if they told people the virus was three feet up in the air, the whole country would be walking around well, on their hands. And while, while, you haven't I mean, heard, while you haven't heard of anybody who got the virus, as you say, you have heard, right. and surely... And do you know what, Neil? I'll ask everybody in, on your radio show to do a little social experiment because me and my buddy do this all the time, right? Everywhere we go, we say, we see all the ridiculousness, the cues, the this, the that, the walk this way, hairs, arrows, follow that around there like good little sheep, like, you know, and follow all these stupid regulations that the government themselves don't even know if they're making up. A virus that gets more dangerous. But what if, what if, for instance, you heard stories of people who did in Cork get uh, COVID-19, spend six... What I would say there is that this flu has high, do you know what I mean? Like if they, if they level up fair amount, Hang on a second. Let me, let me finish the sentence and I promise I'll let you go then. Say, so did get COVID-19, spent six weeks in, in, in ICU in the CUH. Like, what, what, yeah. that's not flu, like, sure it's not flu. Oh, listen, Neil, we know there's a virus. But what I'm saying is that, right, if you're young, fit and healthy, you have a very good chance of beating this virus, right? We have to weigh up the social, the economic and the human cost. Of but you're like, it's the young, fit and healthy that are, are, are testing positive now. I know I've beaten it, Neil. Oh, I've beaten it. I, I'm, I'm telling That's you, fine until it. they meet someone who's not well or who's elderly. Neil, eight people in this country died under the age of 65 from this thing, right? Eight people. Now we have to weigh up the human cost of this, Neil, right? How many uh, people... Um, have I'd have died? to fact... Uh, I'm, I'm obliged to fact check that figure. Where did yeah, you get fact, it? Fact check it, Neil. Fact check it because it's very low and I do my homework, right? As I told no, you. No, no, you I, told me that a guard told you it was a scam. That's not homework. Well, and, 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 and again, what I said to you, Neil, is do your own social experiment because me and my buddy go everywhere, right? We must have asked 150 people. Do you know anybody with it? Do you know anybody with it? And do you know how many people told us they did one next door? No, <laughs> so, like, you know what? This is what, what I'm saying, Neil, right? Is when it comes to something like this, forced lockdowns, you know, people dying alone, old people dying alone, nursing homes just being left die, die, like, you know, to boost the figures, you know, because that's what the government wanted. They want to keep that pandemic affair, right? We have to wear this against me, right? Against the human cost, right? And there's operations being cancelled for cancer sufferers. I know, I know that. I know that. I, know that. I mean, but, but this, this lockdown and all this thing has killed more people than what they're saying they're saving, right? And nobody is saying nothing about it. Businesses are being destroyed. And I thought for a virus with a 99% survival rate, I take my chances with the virus. I take my chances. I get the virus so that my healthy immune system can beat us for all the sick and the elderly in okay. the country. Okay, okay. I'm going to fact check that number and come back after 10. Don't go, don't, don't go anywhere. Make yourself available by phone because uh, I do want to talk to you after after 10 and get some other calls on air as well. one 850 104 Over 65s accounted for 92% of confirmed deaths. That's as much information as it has now. I, I will try and break it down in the coming minutes as to the uh, under 65 number of 8%. He says 8 deaths. I believe it's 8%, which probably is more than 8 deaths. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Okay, Clifford, my man, just uh, here's a selection of uh, texts that are coming in um, regarding uh, my conversation with you. No longer listening to your show while you entertain fake news conspiracy theorist liars. Do you hear that? 
Yeah, well, you see, that's what... Yeah, I'll, give, I'll give you another few. I can't believe any man would be so ignorant about the virus. It's because of the likes of him, the virus is spreading. Another one. Get uh, that. You, see, you, see, you see me, like, where, where, where are you start this? Because when you're standing and you're speaking the truth, it all... It all uh, well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some positive ones. He's correct about masks. His, his research is correct. You're ill-informed, Neil. You're running the government narrative. Mind you, another exactly. one says, get that clown off the radio. He knows it all, doesn't he? It's not about that, Neil. I do my research and they only want people that agree with the narrative. Well, hang on a second. How many people How many people under 65 did you say died? I said, I said eight died. You can fact check me. I'm open to, I'm open to reproof if, if you fact check this. I did fact check it and you're wrong. 94 died. Okay, 94 deaths, okay, under the edge. But what, how, how do no. I know that all of the other stuff you've given me is accurate? What, what you're confused to us... Because, because, right, Neil, because, right, Neil, you're here to push a narrative as well, right? No, I'm not. You're, you're, you're obviously for masks, right? Because even, like, you know, before before I came back on the air, you, you wanted me on the air to debate with somebody that lost somebody to COVID-19. Which, you, which incidentally, you won't I'm do. Not, I'm, not, I'm not denying that there's a virus. So why won't I'm you debate it. with them who, who knows because somebody? Because I believe that there's a virus, and I believe it's tragic if anybody dies. What I'm saying is, right, when you weigh up the human cost of this, right, the amount of people that have life-saving operations cancelled. I know that, and I want you to have an opinion, and I want people to be able to criticise. I, I don't. I don't have any problem with that. And we're open to criticism because we're standing in the gap here that nobody's willing to stand up and speak. And what we're, what I'm saying to you is right. I've told you that the masks are ineffective. It's more effective to cough into a tissue and to practice good hand hygiene. And yet, like they're enforcing this law on the whole on the whole country, that if you want to get on a bus, you can wear a mask wear on this. Why? Just so that I, you, you, you're, you're, you're the type of person that you, you want to wear your mask, but if you see somebody else wearing a mask, it's not, like I said, Neil, it's like the face mask Gestapo. They're, they're nearly ready now to implement the face mask Gestapo. Six months in prison if but, you don't wear a but mask. But would you, no, they, six months in prison will never happen. That has to do with oh, public transport. Day, so, so they just made that up, so did they? They just made up six months. I think it was a stupid thing okay, to come out with a two and a half thousand euro fine and six months in prison. It'll never happen. Right? Is that not what they pushed into law? It is, but it was stupid. They would have been better off yeah, with a hundred and fifty or two. Absolutely stupid. They're leaving criminals out of jail because of COVID and they're locking up people for no mask. They're criminalizing people for not wearing a mask. But look, okay, okay. Listen, you're entitled to your view. I do appreciate that, but I wonder if if somebody can wear a mask and it does no harm and they can breathe through it, why not just wear it? Because for one, right, there's health benefits, there's, there, there, there's adverse health effects to wearing masks, right? You're breathing back in your CO2. You go onto YouTube, right, and you watch people, doctors, I've seen doctors say, see these things, they put themselves on monitors, they put on the mask, and they see your Where are you monitors. watching all this stuff on YouTube where there's no filter at all between fact and fake? There's, but there's genuine on YouTube as well, Neil. Are you, are you on YouTube, Neil? Do I watch you? Of course I do. Are, are you, are, are you, have you got parts of your show on YouTube? Yes. So then there's genuine on YouTube too. I know, but so you're so basing... People, people, people can filter out the, the, the rubbish from the... From, 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 from what no, but it's, right. it's not rubbish when you hear of somebody... Just to clear things up for you, this, fella, this person says, my mum died in March, age 60, yeah. from COVID-19. Yeah. Okay. Right? Right. So there oh, are deaths. Did. There are deaths in Cork. Did I, there are people... I didn't follow well. I didn't come on this radio show once and say that there's not a virus and that there's not deaths. What I said is that we say, right, where's the science for their lockdown? Where's the science for their, their, their virus gets more dangerous? After well, we know that we know that now, in actual fact, if you were to look at the stats as we know them now, the only place really that should have been locked down besides nursing homes was Dublin.
Because that's where and the not, fat... And yet the nursing homes need that. They didn't lock down. The most vulnerable in the country that they knew were more susceptible to it, they actually put people who were COVID up there that had it, you know, and did absolutely nothing for them. And not one person in this country has cried out to this government for their murder of people in nursing homes, you know. So what I'm saying, like, you know, is that they are telling people two kilometres you can't travel outside your home. Do you know it's written into the Irish Constitution that you have the right to travel? And no, but no state government or authority can take that right from you. And if they do want to take that right, you, you, you better be coming up with right good science to take it from us. Not that a virus gets more dangerous after two kilometres. You can travel too, you can't travel. For, you, you know what? The, the biggest load of nonsense I've ever seen in my life. Walk around this way. Yeah, but maybe that here. biggest load of nonsense managed to keep the numbers low. No, the need from for all, for, for, uh, you know, people are saying that it was here in December. Bradshaw said it was here in December. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. So if it was here in December, it was after passing through the country already, like, you know, without draconian lockdowns and without the human cost that we have to do. So there are, there are shops now where they insist on you wearing a mask. Will you avoid those? Oh, like the plague. Like the plague, I'll avoid them. Because another thing about masks is that the CDC has come out and said, like, you know, that if you're in contact with somebody that has the virus, well, then there's high chance that that virus, that, that virus will attach to your mask. And these masks are only, only work if changed every 20 minutes. But after 20 minutes, they start to get becoming right. with CO2. Okay, your line is going again. Listen, and Clifford. And you yourself by wearing a thought mask are being a contaminant. All know? right, so, okay, so, okay. So, 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 I'm looking at science right there, Neil, you know what I mean? So why should we submit to Black Horn? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I'm going to put you back on hold. Free for you to call again. Much obliged. Thanks, Clifford. Alan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I, I had, thank you for holding. I had wanted Clifford to, to chat with you, but he, he declined. He doesn't have to, so... Yeah, that's fine. No problem at all. You know, like, to be honest, like, it really does bug me with some of the comments that he's actually saying. I'm not disputing the fact that uh, there are draconian measures in place, but at the same time, it is it is a serious thing. Like, um, a mate of mine, their partner in America, 38, uh, going to the gym, fit as a fiddle, no underlying issues, caught COVID-19 and died. You know, and, and that's no joke. Like, my own uncle, who's in one of the nursing homes here in Ireland, has also COVID-19 and he has underlying issues and he hasn't died. So, you know, you can say one thing about saying, oh, I watched a couple of YouTube videos there and i done my research. But unless he's actually cross-referenced this, scrutinised this... But at least he's done... Well, at least he's done research um, and he's done an awful lot more research than, say, sheeple who've done nothing at all and just followed every guideline and every regulation and do what they were told. And, you know, at least... Definitely you have to be looking into it and looking at some scientific facts. But, like, you know, anybody can put a a YouTube video up, like, and say whatever they want on it. You know, there's... There's doctors who said that this virus didn't attack humans until scientists actually taught it how to attack humans. And that's how it actually developed. It's the same with, with SARS and Ebola. Like, you know, these things don't just attack humans. They don't just cross species or anything like that or come from wet markets. You know what I mean? They they're don't. Actually, no, they're working on these things to actually make them see how they actually react and see how they go airborne. Like, so you don't believe it came from a wet market in China? No, I really don't. And again, you could say, let's look at a couple of YouTube videos. I prefer to look at some scientific journals and see what actual real scientists are actually saying and that are being printed. You know, like, to be fair, I have asthma myself and I had to go back to work. 
100% I'm wearing a mask in the shop and I'm still keeping people at over two metres away from me because I don't have the literally knowledge to be risking my own life and the people around me just because um, I don't agree with wearing masks. You know, I don't like it myself, but I'm going to wear it because it's for the benefit of me, my family and my community. You know, it's not a big thing. He sounds like a Trump supporter that's out there going, <laughs> causing a tantrum because he's been asked to wear a mask. It's not the end of the world. If he's so paranoid about all these type of things, all the facial recognition software that's out there is all messed up now because people are wearing masks. So he should be glad that he people are wearing masks. Like, at the end of the day, our country should have been locked down way, way before. Um, it actually was. Tiny little islands and they kept leaving planes in. <laughs> you know, the virus is here. It's and, not going away. And, well, it's nearly gone away. Well, let's see. Let's see how it goes. After all those protests, after all the restrictions being lifted, all the Americans sure coming over. The, it wasn't the protests. It's house parties and young people and hanging yeah, out I'm together. Sure there's, a, there's a lot more people, a lot more young people out there marching on the streets of Dublin for those protests rather than going to a house party. And maybe. you're the well. I don't know about that. I mean, I think there probably might, at least there might be some kind of effort at physical distancing at a protest. The protests, that was four or five weeks ago. I'm not hearing of any now. I yeah, mean, but look, we're the, seeing new cases rising again. I know we haven't seen the deaths yet, but we just have to give it time. Like, to be fair, like I do, I work in a shop. No, but, uh, but, how, do you, but how, do you know, how do you know that an awful lot of young people will test positive, um, they'll have COVID, it'll be gone in a week and they'll get on with their lives and... It's true, we don't. We don't know that. Like, to be fair, the government came out and they said that they were going to be testing 100,000 people a week. That was four months ago. So even in 10 weeks, they should have tested a million people. They haven't. You know what I mean? So we, we don't know. Like, the pubs, you know, might, the pubs might make a huge difference. You might see it absolutely go through the roof when the pubs reopen and you've got oh, a couple of weekends no under your I'd belt. Be, I would love to go for a point. Don't get me wrong, but there's not a chance. You I know when you talk, you know when you say that this was man-made and released into society, is that what you're saying by dodgy scientists, is it? Well, not dodgy scientists, like, you know what I mean? If you can, again, go and look up... Some, uh, a couple of no, because so, so, I just was reading yesterday that there's a teenager who died from the Black Death. I mean, that's the bubonic plague, you know. Uh, and this, and, like. and this, what? I just said that's crazy. Like but a no, teenager. This happened in Mongolia. He's a 15 year old because he ate meat from an animal that we shouldn't be eating, you know. Um, and the flea had the bubonic plague. It was a marmot. Did you ever hear of a marmot? Kind of like a big, kind of like them, a big yeah. rat kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So apparently the wet markets, they're eating birds and animals and there's cross-infection and they're not cooking them properly. And COVID jumped from, they figure, a bat to a human well, being. If you think about it, it's a virus. It needs a host to live. Yeah, but if we, leave, if, we, if, if we didn't have filthy markets or if we weren't eating types of animals and fellow creatures on the planet that we're not supposed to be eating... We'd be an awful lot better off. Like this is bubonic yeah. plague. This young fella got. Yeah, I definitely agree if, with you there. Like, but that's where COVID came from. They figure. That's again. That's what they say. Like you know what I mean. But again, you can have a look and see. Like have a look at the what happened with the Italians and the, the Italian Minister of Health over there, and they changed how they're actually treating people, and it it made a difference. And it the person, made a difference. and and that person who unfortunately died in America at the age of. 38. No underlying conditions whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. Going to the gym regularly. Fit as a fiddle. 
Okay, thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Much on yesterday's program as well with regards to conversations with James and with Timmy and with, with others on addiction and uh, the issues in their lives that you know they had to eventually address, having spent time in jail and addiction and problems with heroin, but turning their lives around. Elliot says, listening to the chap who cleaned up from drugs on your show, I always take the opportunity. Uh, to set one thing straight, addiction is not a disease. No diabetic ever sat up in bed and said, I'm quitting this disease. It's ruining my life. The only reason that trend of calling it a, a disease caught on is due to the American healthcare system needing to cover insurance. Also, the rehab success rate for hard drugs is all of 3%. The rehab industry would prefer that fact not to be well shared. 3%. The answer really is just say no from the 1980s. It's actually the only solution to this problem, which is not a disease, but an addiction. Uh, there's Latin, lots more besides, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. Carmel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are we? All right. Okay. So are you wearing a mask? Well, I, I, to be quite honest with you, I prefer not to, but with family members with health conditions, I do wear a mask, but it's not actually a mask. It's a spit shield. A spit shield? Is that the Perspex one? Yes, because when we were told at the start, well, two months into the virus, that it go, can enter the body through the eyes. So people that are wearing face masks covering their nose and their mouth are goosed anyway. But my, my, my point here, Neil, I was on to you previously regarding this virus two months back right. and about going on full lockdown. Now the government are coming out. Only yesterday or the day before, I saw Hall with a mask and Mr. Lettuce, Eamon Ryan, with a mask. Mr. Lettuce. No, is what do you call him? Mr. Lettuce. Why do you call him that? The green, the green man. All right, okay. If any of them had any brains, Neil, the country wouldn't be in the condition it is in today. I'm fuming. Well, you fuming. can't blame and the I Greens for that. Are. They've never just been in government me. before. Right, yeah, on. just leave me. Just leave me. Have my say on this local radio note this morning. Okay, well, and just can you, you just hold on one second? I will let you get back. I just want to jump in. It's breaking news this morning. Uh, as expected, we were going to get an announcement with regards to Apple and Ireland and the European Union ruling, uh, and that has just come through. Ireland and Apple have won their appeal. The European Union uh, ruling uh, won't be carried. The U.S. tech giant, uh, they've won. The remember there was a 13 billion euro in back taxes. The judgment is out. It was made by the EU General Court after the government and Apple appealed a decision made by the European Commission. Um, that's the highest court that they went to and the ruling is now final. I don't know what will happen with the money, but we won't be getting it. Um, in August of 2016, the Commission decided that Apple owed us 13 billion in back taxes plus interest on that amount. And there was all sorts of arguments. It ended up in court. Ireland and Apple have won their appeal against the European Union's ruling that uh, Apple owes us 13 billion in back taxes. We're not going to get it now. Um, as to what will happen with that money, I have absolutely no idea. So your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. It was sitting in an escrow account. I guess Apple will just get the money back now and continue with their very low rate of tax. Thanks for holding. Appreciate it. I'm back to you again now, Carmel. Yeah, leave me speak. You're talking about Apple money. That was the taxpayers' money here in this country. We were entitled to that. And I cannot understand the logic of our government spending so many millions to take it into a European court, not to take the money. Well, now, they're not going to... They didn't want it, 
and now they won't take it? It's not their right to say they didn't want it. That was the taxpayers' money here in Ireland that was entitled to that money. That could have went into housing, health, education, which are decimated anyway. I'm on about the issue here about the wearing of masks, which I said yesterday. My problem is here. Well, I think it, I just think it's bizarre Listen, that Apple would. Opening, I would just was think on it's... the radio or on a press conference and said that the flights coming in transatlantic flights coming in from America that there was the most the most people that came through was two hundred and fifty. That's a load of bullshit. The flights that are coming in from the most affected areas is America and England, and then there's people coming in from England over to Ireland as a, as a loophole because they can get from Ireland into other countries where they're not allowed into. They don't have to do that, that anymore now. They have a green list of countries they can fly out of their own airports. Uh, yeah. Are you happy with the government alone, American citizens coming from Texas and Miami and Florida, the most infected areas? On CNN, Texas counting more could not accept and cannot no longer take any more COVID bodies. Mm-hmm. Last night on CNN, uh, refrigerator trucks were taking the bodies away. No, we're all doing our part four months down the line, compulsory, mandatory for masks. It's not law, and I'll tell you why. The Guardian Union rep was on the television two nights back and said they cannot enforce that law of six months in prison and 2,500 fine if you don't wear a mask on public transport because it's not in the legislation. That has to be ratified put it in front of the Shannon and written into law before it can be enforced. So this government, that's a self-elected, I call them, have no right whatsoever to enforce those laws. It's not law. It's not law. And that previous caller before, the caller before that, the first man about the masks, he's right. I read up on those paper masks, those bones you buy and disposable ones, they're actually useless against the virus. Mm, nobody's wearing no, those anymore, do, though. They were all wearing cloth. What class is the same name? All right, okay. No, I'm, I was I'm requested. Not... I use it. I use the bus, bus, the public transport quite a lot every day because I have two people to take care of, and I was pulled by a bus driver. Put on your mask. And what I did you say? I did. I had to comply. There's other people. But surely you'd have... want to comply. Are you a carer? I'm not. I, I am. Well, what do you need to? Why wouldn't you comply then? And why don't the government comply? You're going down. The, you're going down the route now for four months. Only yesterday, me hall. Me whole, as I call it, had a mask, and Mr. Leshes had a mask. Why weren't they doing it all along? Guide, guidelines changed, apparently, they say. Research no, changed. No, the issue is with the flights coming in from America, the America. most affected country. The EU have banned flights from America and England, and they're allowing them in here every day of the week. We are sitting ducks. The people in this country have done everything in their power to carve, to flatten the curve of this virus, which we did. But no, we're actually sitting ducks. Mayo, Galway and Killarney have refused. Some of the shops have refused Americans to go in. They're asking them, have you quarantined? And they said, no. Well, yeah, you, don't have, you don't have to go up there. Where did I see that this morning? I see an article this morning that um, Kinsale is asking uh, tourists from outside of Ireland to stay away. And they said, right? Yeah, I think it was... I think it might have been, I'm open to correction here, but I think it might have been the Blue Haven are saying, uh, you know, if you're from outside of Ireland as a tourist, uh, we love you at another time, but not at the but moment. Yeah. But there shouldn't be, this. I said this two, two months back. If we went on full lockdown, we would have we, we would have been well over this virus. It's the people, they're leaving in 
people from the most affected areas and it shouldn't be happening. But this government, right. either the economy, Neil, or the people, they have to make a choice. Are you not angry with flights coming in from America, from the most affected areas, coming into our country, and you stayed at home and worked from home, so did your family, what about our frontline staff? This government is all, every TD that came on the television has spoken about, we must keep the economy going. We must keep the economy going. The people in this country will be classed as collateral. Michal Martin made the statement yesterday blaming house parties and young people. But I knew that would happen, and I'll tell you why it happened. Because their gross negligence of the people of this country is why we are where we are today. And to blame people in house parties, I knew they blame their own. But they can't look at the economy. Look at Simon Coleman. So you're saying, you're, but you're like, that's, you're wrong, like, because they're, they can see the age demos of people testing positive. They're 25s and unders. Neil, they're I'm not sorry, tourists come from America. Trust, I don't trust any figures from that corrupt All right. government to the core. I don't accept any figures because... Okay. Okay. So many okay. there, okay. so many here. All right, Carmel, you got a lot of airtime. Appreciate it. I'm going to keep moving. The Blue Haven Hotel and Kinsale is the one I was referring to. It's one of a number of businesses asking travellers to stay away for 14 days. Um, it says in the Echo this morning, hotel management said that although staff are looking forward to being able to welcome everyone that walks in their doors very soon, but that for now, to keep everyone safe, we request that all guidelines are adhered to prior to us being able to uh, do so, as in prior to us being able to welcome people back. So there you have it, lads. Uh, we'll come back in a few minutes' time, more calls. But that's interesting because if you look at the Apple money, that's $13 billion plus the interest, apparently, um, brings the bill that they owe that's sitting in the escrow account to $14.3 billion. That money, the largest sum ever talked about by the European Commission, uh, was collected by the government in 2018 and put into a, an account while the case went its way to court. The reason why apparently Apple and Ireland have won their appeal and the money doesn't need to be paid has to do with intellectual property behind Apple's products. The intellectual property would probably be the design, uh, the research, the idea behind it, who owns the different products because of the intellectual involvement in it, whose idea, how was it created. And that, that meant that the vast majority of the Apple product didn't actually lie in Ireland at all. It lay outside of the Irish branches and was controlled in groups, in a group headquarters in California. So that's a company that would not therefore then have to pay taxes um, in the likes of Ireland and product bought or made here in, in Ireland um, uh, or indeed much of it in, in Hollyhill. So that's how that happened. Uh, I did mention the ridiculously low tax rate that Apple had. Ridiculously low. I mean, just a fraction of, of 1%. So I'm assuming that that tax rate continues uh, and that Apple... I don't know how the revenue feel about that, actually. It'd be interesting to see uh, that Apple will get the money back. And much of this, of course, has to do with years and years of iPhones. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Kind of interesting, really, that the highest rate of tax in this country is uh, in and around 68% because you have... Uh, no, sorry, I'm wrong about that. But 58%, 59% because you have the highest rate, which is either 51 or 52, and then you've got 7 or 8% USC, which brings you just under 
just under 60% tax rate, which is quite high. That's for high earners. So Apple would be a seriously high earner, right? Um, under any circumstances, you'd never have an Apple in this country if they were paying 58% tax, I know that. But their tax rate is 0.005%. All right, that is just like a tiny fraction of 1%. That's the difference. And the European Commission looked at it and they said, come here, that's not a tax rate, lads. That's state aid. Um, that really amounts to state aid that Ireland as a country was giving uh, state aid to Apple. Massive international company making billions in profits. So that's the kind of scale of things when you're talking about big multinationals and what people said at the time was a sweetheart deal between Ireland and Apple. Uh, the court, the European court didn't agree. Apple and the government win on that one. And apparently there's no appeal. So that's unfortunate with regards to um, you know, money that could have been well spent. Lines open at 1850 104 106. You can text 086 106. Also down in Kinsale, Kinsale Harbour Cruises are saying that individuals from outside the island of Ireland who have not self-quarantined for 14 days will be refused access to their boat. The owner said, we don't want to put our staff and other customers at risk. And I have a photograph of the sign. It says, in the interest of public safety um, and, and in line with government policy, we kindly ask that individuals visiting from outside the island of Ireland who have not completed 14 days of self-quarantine do not board this vessel. And that's Kinsale Harbour Cruises. Meanwhile, over in Dingle, the Harbour Cruises going out for fungi, there were up on top of each other there were so many people on them um, anyway how would you even know you'd have to trust somebody you, you, mean, you could say do not board it if you haven't quarantined but they could say they quarantined and they didn't so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of all the whole thing's very vague isn't it in that regard but they're sticking to their guns down in Kinsale they're, they're certainly doing things differently to the rest of us Michael good morning Hi Neil good morning okay you're an 18 year old working in a supermarket part time do you find it a kind of a scary place yeah, no, not really. I mean, we all just get on with our job and we try our best to keep our distance and stuff and don't make too much of a big drama out of it, but while maintaining the guidelines, of course. Yeah, I know, but uh, people are all over, up and down the aisles. I always found the supermarket aisles were probably the most dangerous place to be, you know? Yeah, I suppose so, because it's enclosed and stuff and you feel like you can't properly social distance, like if you're trying to pass someone down a, a narrow aisle, you know, it is it is tough, like it's hard. Like, but Do you all I wear masks? Like most people... Yeah, a lot of people now, like you would see a lot of people now coming in, especially since, I suppose, cases starting to spike again, maybe. Like, you do see a lot more people wearing masks, always older people. You, they're, they're more common sight now, I suppose, than more, you know, two or three months ago even, you know. So, I suppose I've just, I decided recently now I'm going to start wearing a mask, even though I'm a young fella. I'm fit, grand, I'm fit young, healthy man. Like, I'm not worried at all if I get it. But it's to protect others. I'm thinking of not myself at all. Like I mean, if I get it, of course I'd. I say like you could and, be working in you know. a supermarket with COVID nineteen, and uh, you could get too close to an elderly person who's cocooning and trying to do a bit of shopping, for instance. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because you do like. I mean, when I'm working around, I see people, old people come in and they're wearing their masks, and if you make eye contact with them, if you look at them, you kind of feel like I felt a bit guilty not wearing one recently. I don't know. It just. I don't know what it is. It just clicked to me. Like you know, but so. I've decided anyway to start wearing one, whether they whether they're proven one hundred percent to work or not. At least I'm covered. I'm protected. 
myself. But you don't no, want to have no, any regret. Uh, the regret, regret could be an unknown regret, like isn't then. It could be an unknown regret. Yeah, I mean, as someone that had been a okay. close contact with our supermarket, I wouldn't like to feel that. Oh God, like and why? Worn a mask. Maybe it could have been, been you. Me, like, you know? Yeah, if you tested positive. Um, you, exactly, say, you, yeah. say you'd only test positive if you go to a house party though, and somebody has it there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean. I'm just kind of, I'm not like, I mean, I wouldn't mind, like, I'm not worried at all if I get it, I'm young. I mean, I'll get sick, I'll suck it up, I'll get better, I'll have it for a week or so, and I'll, I don't want to pass it on to my family, because I suppose in, in our family, like, my mother's a teacher, she, she's off with us now for the summer, and my dad is working, and he's in the public as well, but I'd be the only one, I suppose, working with, you know, working with people and around people, the, the general public, so it'd be important for me, I suppose, I would hate to bring, be the one to bring it back, I'd be the most likely and, anywhere, in, and in anywhere. the supermarket, what what percentage of people would you say are wearing masks or visors? I assume nobody wears gloves anymore now. It's all masks and visors. No, not the gloves. Yes, definitely, definitely more the gloves. I suppose around if I was to say a rough percentage, like 30, 40 percent wearing masks. It's kind of a lot. Like you know, yeah, forty. You know, forty percent. Okay. But that's. I feel it's definitely going to be mandatory. Maybe sometime soon. Maybe like I'd, I'd hope it is because I'd like to see more people like wearing the masks in in the shop where I'm working now. Not it's freak. It's freaking out people who um, are not sold on COVID nineteen. You know, you could, some people call them conspiracy theorists. Other people call them free thinkers, or you know, people who yeah. have different opinions. They they think that we're all just sheeple and we're all being told what to do, and it's all Orwellian and it's over the top, and that it was a disgrace. Yeah, yeah. The way the public were treated, yeah. you know. Um, exactly, yeah. Do you because you, you're eighteen years old? Are you hanging out with mates, or how do, how do you socialize? Yeah, I do, but like, I mean, we're not like together for long and it's outdoors like you know the weather's drying off so you know I mean it's nice to see your friends again and stuff but, I know, you know I mean they're obviously you need to hang out with your mates but you're not 60, uh, yeah, 70 in a three. do you know of any of your mates who'd be in, in house parties up on top of each other no no I wouldn't no I wouldn't no in fairness no we haven't been caught up in all that Debacle lately and all that stuff you're hearing about house parties. Thank God, no. Okay, mind yourself. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Was that opposite two Americans from Georgia last week in Dingle having lunch? They told us they have a house in the Dingle Peninsula and that they came over to Ireland to check on it. They said they did self isolate. However, they also said that over the next few months they do plan on going back to the US to check on family in New York and LA and coming back here again twice at the beginning of August and again in October. There were plenty of English and Northern Irish reg cars around Kerry last week too. We shouldn't all be focusing on just the US. The UK is just as bad in some cases. Vicky says there was a group of Americans in Castle Island at the weekend. There was no social distancing or any self-isolating going on whatsoever. Maria says, I can confirm without a doubt that there were Americans in Blarney Castle on Sunday. They could be living here or they could have quarantined for their holiday, but they were Americans. Vicky was in Killarney Saturday in the Torque Waterfall car park and there was at least four bus buses loaded with tourists. And they were not just Americans. Ross Castle was awash with more tourists also and pennies down there was packed to the rafters. Alicia says, I've come across many Americans on public transport recently. They're not all tourists and I'm sure that uh, there are some definitely using the transport to get out and about. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to know anyway who's a tourist and not anymore because we have such a cross-section of different cultures who are working here. There's obviously a few good tourists here uh, that uh, shouldn't have been left over. There obviously is a good few tourists here that shouldn't have been left over here to holiday. But I also think some people are jumping to conclusions, including anyone with an American, English or foreign accent that might in fact be living in Ireland 
and who are not on holidays at all. Jennifer says, Killarney's full of tourists, English and American. I've seen them myself and they're acting like there's no virus around at all. It's a joke. It's only a matter of time before lockdown number two starts. Well, we have to get to we have to get past the clarification on what's going to happen on Monday now. Uh, first, don't we, on opening hotels and hotel bars and public houses and the green list of countries that you can travel to, and then it won't really matter about many many tourists coming over here because they'll be allowed to. Maybe not Americans when the list comes out, but when will they ever stop Americans travelling to Ireland? Patrick, good morning. Neil, how are you? Good. So on, maybe on Monday we'll have a green list of countries and they'll all be allowed to come in here safely. So we'll sure, let them all in. Yeah, OK. Listen, uh, one of the things that I, I was just listening to a second ago, there was one of the women that you had on and she was saying oh, about getting the infection through the eyes, you know? Yeah. Do you remember she was sort of going, ah, so what good is the mask to me? But the mask is to actually prevent people who have it from spreading it, not from the person who doesn't have it, giving, you know, receiving it. If that makes any sense. Say that again now. Sorry, I'm just right. looking at you, the you, apple A stuff. person wears a mask, yeah? Yeah. So that they don't actually pass on the disease. Yeah. You're not wearing a mask to protect yourself from it. Yeah, but they're... they're in t- ways you are, in small ways you are, but, I mean, you can get it through the eyes, through the hands, through everything like that, but, I mean, it's the person... I know, I mean, it's not a fail-safe, but the only point I was making is, at least it's a reducer. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It is a reducer, but the mask itself, we should all wear them, I mean, basically for the simple reason that, I mean, if you have something, you don't want to pass it on. Okay, so I'm also keen to talk to people who either had it or yeah, came in yeah, contact I was with telling, you. Yeah, I was telling uh, yeah. Dear about um, one of the, a friend of mine, she's only 43. She had it, and she got it in March, and she thinks she got it on a bus. And I sent in photographs there. I do whether you've seen the photographs. No, or not. no. Right, uh, basically of, now we're in July, She's still losing hair, still going to the doctor with lung problems. And this was a very healthy girl. Okay, okay. So she and really got, know, she, it really crocked her, didn't it? Oh, yeah, it really took her back an awful lot. How I mean, did she know about the bus? Was she tracking well, trace? No, she doesn't definitely know about the bus, but that's what she's saying is that that's the only thing she can come up with, that she was on a bus and there was people, there was one particular guy, he was coughing near her. And no, she can't obviously say that it was him. But it's the only time she had been on a bus in a long time. March. March. Right. When, and she got tested and everything. She got tested. She got tested positive. She spent uh, 14 days in hospital. She ended up in ICU, no? No, she didn't go to ICU, but she was on uh, she's only She was 43, but she was on air and oxygen and stuff. But the problem is the after effects. She so, probably has lung I mean, damage and will need rehab to be able still, to... She still has, yeah. She still has lung damage. She, her hair is still the same. It's, it's falling out. I, showed, I mean, if you look there, the girls will tell you, I sent in photographs of before and now her hair. And you can see it clearly yourself. But, I mean, like, it's all these things about YouTube and all these videos and stuff like that, right? That anybody can read up on conspiracy theories and everything like that. It's more like MeTube, because for the simple reason, people are putting up their views and whatever. Don't people people have a reasonable argument when they say that the figure of 1,700 is not an accurate figure? It's probably closer to eleven or 1,200. That, unfortunately, sadly, the vast majority, way up into the 90%, were elderly in nursing homes. In nursing homes, that yeah, That needed of to be minded. Um, that yeah. in, the, in the 65s and unders, the figure was something in the region of 80, maybe 90 people died. Yeah. And yeah. that the consequences of this far outweigh the disease. 94 deaths under the age of 65. 
Yeah, but the whole thing about it is that, like, I mean, we can go on about conspiracies all the time, and whether we no, do I'm not, not talking about it's it. There. I'm not saying that there was a conspiracy. I'm yeah. just saying that it was yeah, ba- very right, badly that, that handled. The age of people, oh, was very badly handled in from a um, nursing home point of view. But, I mean, look, they didn't feel that that was, they probably felt these people were cocooning, so they didn't feel that that would... No, sure, like, like that, that, that not at all, sure. The staff were going in and out. I know, I know that, you know that. But they were, they at the start used their categories for risk. Now, I totally think what they done with nursing homes was wrong. Don't get me wrong, I'm not backing them up on it. I'm just saying, but they, like, I mean, we have medical staff that are actually trying to get out there and say, right, okay, we should do this, we should do this, we should do that, we should go here, we should go there. Now, who do we listen to? YouTube or medical people? But like... <laughs> Some of the what things. Are you confused I, so, about? I, I, well, because I got a load of different things going through my head. That's why. I mean, YouTube is <laughs> YouTube isn't all fake conspiracy lies and nonsense. No, I'm not saying no, it's all it, fake conspiracy and lies, but I mean, like, I, I'm not saying that in the slightest. I but th- I mean, like, when the government, when the World Health Organization are saying that people, in their best interests, should wear masks, they're not demanding people wear masks. They're saying in their best. Well, in the UK, in the UK, it, it yeah, is, I know it, Monday it will, it's law. Monday yeah. will be mandatory yeah. in, in, in indoors. Why are they doing that? Because it can't, because it can't hurt. I suppose. Yeah, to protect our population. Yes, but but like now at this stage, don't we have enough more information now that we had in March with regards we, yeah, to? Yeah, we do, but we didn't you know, have any. I mean, it's, it's we do, this but, is an evolving disease. But we do now. Yes. Yeah. So and I mean, like for what the we vast have to majority do is we can of people today, for the vast majority of people, it isn't a problem. Oh, I understand, but le- yeah, I mean, if you're doing, I mean, the typical example there was, look, if you take lockdown and we've done lockdown in Ireland, right, and we've done it for 10 weeks, okay, and next we suppress the disease and we open back up again and it comes back again, right? Are we not proving that by people doing things that they're advised to do? We just say, for example, if it's going to help other people, why not? Okay, you wanted to also make a point on Apple. What was that? Yeah, well, that was, I was just speaking to one of your girls, but you actually made a point afterwards about it, um, saying that it was got to do with, you know, different uh, products that they have themselves that weren't made in Ireland. Yeah, they're saying that but the intellectual property of much of the Apple products yeah. that gave them profits has nothing yeah, to do with Ireland. Where was the money filtered through? Uh, well, Ireland. Yeah. So, I mean, does money that's not coming into Ireland, is that not taxable? Well, I mean, I'm just telling you what the court said. They agreed well, I know, with, I totally agree with They you. say intellectual, I mean, the intellectual so, yeah. property, yeah. I guess the patenting, you know, the, the so research and development and all this kind of thing. But, but, even, but even at that, like, I mean, the tax the rate... came through Ireland. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's... And I mean, would it be a case that Apple, right, would turn around and say, OK, if we have to pay 14, 15 billion, bye-bye? They it's said, easier for us to go to Poland. They said they would. They said that they'd pay the yeah. money. They would, it was not a problem. It's it's yeah. the Irish government objected know, to yeah. it. I mean, why would an Irish government object to taking 15 million? Sure, what's this virus have to cost us 30 billion so far? You've had that there straight away. Why would they Why would they do that? They're doing it for a reason, but they just won't make the reason. But how more. do businesses in Ireland feel, particularly small to medium-sized businesses? I could imagine they, they don't feel too well, do they? When they, when they hear of... Uh, 0.005% tax for years. Yeah, I mean... So that's no tax, station, really. That's yeah, no even tax. Even you take your station out there, Red FM, which has to pay tax on revenue that they bring in from advertising, or what, and it's probably the only revenue that you can bring in, yeah. is advertising, and you're paying 21% or maybe 50% tax on some of your earnings. 
I mean, I'm sure you are. And I mean, the thing about it is you see a corporation that has got the highest, is it one of the highest bank balances in the world? Billions in reserve? Yeah. Hundreds of billions in reserve. Well, what do the Irish government say that Apple are huge employers and we need multinationals? Yeah, huge employers and we don't, I mean, it's not just 5,000 or 6,000 jobs in Cork. This will have a knock-on effect to about thirty or 40,000 jobs in Ireland. Okay, appreciate all of that. Thank you so much, Patrick. I want to talk to uh, Bruno, um, Portuguese chap living in Ireland for many years now. Bruno, good morning. Good morning. How, How long you? are you here? I'm seven years now in, uh, in Ireland. It's going to be in August, seven years. Okay, yeah. what, what part of Portugal are you from? I'm from the Azores. It's like a group of islands in the middle of the Atlantic. The Azores. <laughs> it gets windy out there, doesn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Now, so tell me your story. You were told, go back to your own country. Why? Yeah, so um, what happened was this, um, the past Sunday, I was camping with uh, Vitor, my friend from Portugal as well. So we passed by um, a gas station in um, Glengarris, where we were. Um, so we were taking a coffee and uh, we were speaking Portuguese, you know, like we, like we will, like normally. To each other, you're Portuguese. two Portuguese guys, you're going to speak yeah. in your native tongue, yeah? Yeah, yeah but like if, if I speak with somebody, like as a service, I would speak in, in English, of course. Um, so... I went to the queue and there was like a lady in front of me and she was, uh, I, heard, I, overstay, I overheard her saying that she was from Texas, from, from uh, America. I was not very paying attention, like she, I think she was friendly and, and uh, was speaking with the cashier. And then I got my coffee, went there and I sat by the, the river after I did my, um, my coffee and everything. So I went to the sea, by the sea, sit uh, on the sit bench uh, with Peter and then she came across, like she came out of her car and she came over over to us and speak like she asked her as first like you didn't say anything she's like where are you guys from this is I, the american said this now exactly exactly the same woman that was in front of me in the cashier yeah, she came over yeah the woman from yeah, dallas she, texas yeah dallas texas yeah so she came over and said um, didn't say hello or anything she's like oh how are you um where, where are you guys from she would just said that and i was like i thought she was being nice and everything you know i don't know what was going to going in her head but uh, I was like we and Vitor said we're from Portugal and she's like what are you doing here guys do you know we are in the middle of a pandemic and uh, why, why you guys don't go uh, work in Portugal and I was like because I don't I don't want to I'm, I'm here in Ireland still working and she was like oh I think you should go back to Portugal where you came from it's not safe but hang on she's not listening to you you just said I'm living in Ireland I'm working in yeah. Ireland like it's the conversation yeah. should end at that point yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, she was. She wanted to make her point across. That's what I. What it seemed like. Uh, what I did, I just like said, "Well, have a nice day." I wasn't so in in a shock because it never happened to me this in Ireland before, and I was just like, "Okay, just be nice to her. Like, just let her go." Because she was walking away while she was saying, "Like, go back to your own country where you came from." Um, why didn't she say? Yeah. Why didn't she say that about herself? I know exactly. Like uh, she was like she was saying that she had a grandkid and everything. She was living here in Ireland now, but uh, I I don't know her backstory either. Like she doesn't know mine either. Like she she thought I was speaking Portuguese and she thought that I was not here working. Probably she thought she thought you were a tourist. Um, yeah. But when you clarified that you weren't, um, yeah, that's the end of it, really. Like you know, that should be she the end of it. Yeah. She wasn't listening. She then went on to say to you, "Well, you should go back to your own country where you came from." Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, like I, I, I never, I never happened. This has never happened to me before here. And like Irish people are always lovely to me and everything. So it's it's been it's it's been a shock. Like, 
Yeah, like, you know, there are more and more people now that are doing double takes with regards to tourists and listening to people speaking in foreign tongues in Ireland at the moment, yeah. you know? that's Because yeah. Yeah. They, they're thinking that it's reckless of them to be here when we're not supposed to be going overseas, but yet tourists are coming in here. Unfortunately, exactly. you're caught in the crossfire. Was this the only time that anybody kind of did a double take or said anything to you? Yeah, that's that's the only time. Like I, that's literally the only time because I um, I've been around here like seven years. I came here was with eighteen years old. Yeah. Now um, I'm twenty five now, and this was just the, the first time that happened. Like everybody, it's been nice to me. Yeah, nobody's and ever said go back to your own country because that's no, actually a racist thing to say. It is like kind of like um, xenophobia as well in a kind of way. Um, but like it's the weird part is she is from another country as well, but she's living here too. But then I since since I, I made a post on on Facebook, I don't know if you uh, probably you probably saw it, but um I I did a post on Facebook and loads of people messaged me as well through Instagram and Facebook saying that that happened to them before and this is still happening, you know, um like. People are getting messed, like going to your own country, like yeah. Brazilian, Polish, and whatever. You know, we come here just to, to make our lives better for us. Yeah, for that's us, you know? fine, and God knows you're all you're all welcome, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, but for somebody to be coming from Brazil with their mm-hmm. huge exactly. numbers, are America basket case? I don't know, like sixty, mm-hmm. eighty, a hundred thousand cases a day in America now. Exactly. Like, like th- we 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 we're not terribly happy with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like we're not going to be pulling back the tables for a, a six Brazilians to be coming over here and eating in it, a restaurant, you know. Especially, yeah, especially now. Like, but it's like in Portugal as well. My mom is was saying to me that Portugal has been very bad as well for coronavirus. And um, what's the population of Portugal? The population of Portugal, I actually don't know to be honest. Oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I should be very ashamed of myself. <laughs> I've been here living so long that I don't even know anybody. <laughs> I uh, when I speak with friends, and sometimes I try to to think what Portuguese word is for it, the English version of it. I don't know. It's, it gets me confused most. Well, of the time. you're think you're thinking now in English. I know well, that's a good thing. Exactly. Anyway, have a listen. Like Portugal's population is over ten million, so you have mm. twice the population of Ireland, but mm. less deaths than Ireland yeah. for COVID nineteen. But Portugal's been one of those countries singled out. It's not on the green list. Yeah, yeah. Like um, my mom was saying as well. Like the the cases are very bad there, but they're what they did was putting on masks into um into um like reinforcing using of masks in public even for public spaces and um malls and like everything you will you should have a mask with you it's kind of like um if you don't it kind of it's kind of like um, a fine that you get yeah I'm not really sure, but that's that was one of the, the things that government put it on to uh, to place. Well, it could have made a, like what I always thought was amazing. The difference. Between, I'll let you go on this point, but I always thought the amazing yeah. the difference between Spain and Portugal because they're stuck onto each other. That exactly. Spain, yeah. Uh, probably a bigger population. I understand that. Maybe they had an older population, but they had over twenty five thousand deaths. But yet their na- nearest yeah. neighbor, your country, yeah, exactly, Portugal, right next to each other. Yeah, had sixteen hundred and sixty two. Anyway. Yeah. That's the way it goes. So, thank you so much for uh, listen. For, uh, for thanks for taking the call. Bringing awareness. <laughs> Cheers, my man. Not everybody is a tourist. That's the point that Bruno's making. Back after the break on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Get it off your chest. 
Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Keep those texts and your opinions coming with regards to uh, Apple and the fact that uh, we're not going to get the 13 billion or 14 billion. Ireland and, and Apple have won their appeal against the European Commission's bill. I'd love to hear how people who are actually happy with that because when they say Ireland, they're talking about all of us. I'm not so sure many Irish people are happy that Apple... Uh, don't have to pay it. Um, I'm working in a very small company and last week revenue suspended our bank account on Friday evening with no notice. Uh, they froze our bank account because there was €5,000 due in tax. Yet Apple can get away with paying such little tax. It seems very unfair, says a texter to 0868104106. Morning, Neil. The last few months have been unprecedented. We've seen change in our society. People forced to work from home, people losing their jobs, loved ones separated, parents and grandparents unable to see family members, people losing their jobs as citizens of this nation did everything they were asked to by the government. However, now when we need our government and leadership, they're nowhere to be seen. American tourists by the plane load are now arriving at our airport uh, on screen, unscreened, unchecked and spreading the virus around the island. UK travellers arriving at our seaports and travelling throughout Ireland. This weekend in Crosshaven, I witnessed yachts arriving from the UK. No quarantine, no screening conducted. So, can I ask, what was lockdown all about? The rules they have been, that have been put in place by our government can't be enforced and can't be managed, from wearing of masks on public transport to the screening at her entry ports. When PPE was needed, our government departments turned away from Irish businesses and instead they purchased products from China. Local companies who were engaged in making PPE for health services are no longer now being used as government procurement departments purchase products from China instead. As citizens of this nation, I hope that you can raise these concerns on our behalf. We've lost our voice as a country. The government is no longer listening to the people of this nation. Despite the hardship that my family and I have faced over the last number of months, all the virus controls and the hard work we as a nation have endured will be undone for a few American dollars and the cheap products from China, says Connor by email. Uh, thank you for that. It's emotive. Lee says, I've been working in retail since the start of the crisis in a well-known supermarket. Could you please ask people to keep the two metres away from the staff? I'm working long hours. I'm in contact with the public a lot and I've noticed that many people are on top of me while doing a delivery and stocking the shelves. They're touching me. 90% of them have no masks on. I'm wearing mine, but I'm still nervous. I can't afford to get COVID-19. My granddad's 81, has major health conditions, and I would never forgive myself if you ever got it off me. I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat. I'm 20 years of age, and I have to work to afford a living. I have bills to pay. Please ask people to be considerate towards retail and supermarket staff and keep your distance. It came to a point yesterday when I politely asked a man to stand back, and the same man then reported me to my manager. Thankfully, the manager stood up to him and the whole thing was brushed off. Ask a listener to be mindful of us on shop floors. We must protect ourselves, says Lee. Um, I'm Irish from Cork, now living in San Francisco. As the people say, don't broadcast my email or personal details, for I would be mortified. But I listen to the repeat of your show reasonably regularly in San Francisco. It's usually on when I'm getting the dinner. I've been listening even more regularly now during the pandemic. I've been extremely impressed with your handling of the situation on air. Thank you for that. I won't read out all of the kind things you say. Let me just move on with the story, but thank you for them. It's been inspiring to hear the stories of the community 
caring and the general good humour that makes Cork Cork. And because the people were so good, the Cork numbers were low. Don't forget that. It was not luck or accidental. It was good behaviour. And I, as a Corkonian abroad, applaud you all. However, always a whoever, isn't there? However, Friday's show was a bit horrifying. The guy with the Holocaust analogue, pure ignorant, spreading garbage conspiracy theories. I almost turned it off. Even the people he was pushing you to interview, more garbage. Don't say things like the cure was worse than the disease, Neil. It's going to embolden people to engage in risky behaviour. You noted that you didn't know anyone with COVID. That should be viewed as fantastic news. A testament to people's behaviour, not an indication that the problem isn't that bad, really, as you suggested. Remember that this virus has not changed. If people start letting their guard down, it will spread. Look at Florida or Arizona. And it's not about the healthy you and me getting or not getting COVID. It's about the you and me who need to go to hospital for something else. We want to be there. We want there to be space to deal with our problems also. A fast spread of coronavirus creates a bad full hospital scenario. Um, I think at one stage you suggested it was like the flu. People of all ages have had long-term effects of that virus and no one understands fully yet the long-term consequences. Just because you didn't die doesn't always mean you're off the hook health-wise. People need to do everything they can to mitigate the spread. Masks, washing hands, do as they're authorised, as authorities advise. With your on-air platform, that's what you need to remind people. We have no cure, we have no vaccine, all we have is behaviour modification. That's what the lockdowns are for, forcing a behaviour change that will be trained to continue when the lockdown eases. For your information, San Francisco is like Cork. Our numbers are good because people are doing their part. Feel free to contact me in the the future if you want any news from San Fran. Kind regards, Miriam. From San Francisco, my email to neil at redfm.ie. Okay, I'm going back to the phone lines, I promise you, in one or two seconds. I go into Cork City from West Cork three times a week. I always wear a mask when travelling. The first five seats were empty on the bus I was travelling on. Every second seat on the bus should be empty. But a couple took up two seats and sat across from each other. They had masks coming onto the bus, but they took them off when they got on board. There were at least 20 other people on the bus. The man who was sitting behind me was coughing all the way to Cork. It was a disgrace. He took his mask off. Also, if the couple were together, they should sit together and not apart. Mind you, the driver had no mask on either on this service in West Cork to the city. Every second seat should be free on the service, like your city bus services. I also visited a restaurant in Bantry. None of the staff had masks on serving us, says Kevin. Well, thank you for all of that observation. I think it's interesting that two people got on with masks, took the masks off when they got on the bus and then coughed all the way to Cork. I mean, like, even me, I'd be bothered by that. It's hard to bother me, but somebody consistently coughing all the way from West Cork. Well, you would be kind of bothered by it, wouldn't you? Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Okay, and you can text 0868-104-106. I have a lot to do between now and midday. You know, we were talking about um, people who were on maternity leave or had babies during COVID um, asking for three extra months. I will come back to the Apple story, I promise. Asking for three extra months maternity leave. Well, not going to get three extra months. They're going to get three extra weeks. 
and there was a big petition regarding that and tens of thousands of women had signed it. So to a small extent, I suppose, the government were listening. They gave three weeks, not three months, but not everybody was happy with that. Like Sarah was saying by text, what about every other citizen in this country? Uh, Are you saying that nobody else had difficulties or challenges or hard times? This three extra weeks is a bloody disgrace. And somebody else texted saying, what about all of the people who worked all the way through the lockdown? Surely we are entitled to extra holidays or some kind of benefit or reward. Mind you, others say we shouldn't have been talking about this in the first place, that it's the part-timers who are or had been given 350 a week and they used to be earning half or even less than that. There's much more needed to be focused on than three weeks more with your newborn child when the creches are closed down and you're limiting the child's access to different environments anyway. Mind you, I suppose, some people who would be in favour of the three months would call comments like that or texts like that, just begrudgers. But that's one petition, right? And then there's another petition then that has started to do, uh, to gain traction, and that's a petition to allow partners into the Labour Ward. And with that in mind, Natalie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you so much for having me on this so morning. In spite, and good, thank you. In spite of the big petition for mm. women looking for three months, they have to settle with three weeks. Would that, that wouldn't be deemed to be a victory, sure, wouldn't <sighs> Not really, but even if it was a three months, I mean, three extra months at 245 a week, I know I probably couldn't afford to take it, and neither could my husband, you know? Yeah. Because it's really cutting your wages by a lot. So, unfortunately, we wouldn't, like, we'd have to go back to work as soon as, okay. you know? Okay. Um, look, I think it's important, and I do think, um, especially for the women who have given birth to our lockdown, um, I do think they probably deserve it, you know? And probably a lot more, too. Um, but for myself, I don't think it will be an option. Anyway, you know, but look, fair play to them for petitioning, and they got it done. So, that's why I'm on this morning. Now, with your own scenario, you're not on a hands-free, are you, no? No, no. Okay, so there is another petition now to lift restrictions mm. um, on women having their partners with them for mm. all of the labour. Where Where is it now? I mean, what is the story? But who can go in and for how long? Um, so I was speaking with CUMH yesterday just to make sure it hasn't changed because I suppose what's getting on, Michael, Neil, is as you spoke about this morning and yesterday morning, that there's one set of rules for one people, one set of rules for another. There's no standardisation. The government haven't really come out and said, okay, this is what it should be. So I think it's up to the individual hospital. So um, I know the Rotunda used the restrictions a little. Um, Basically, the restriction currently stands that when I go into labour, I'm 34 weeks pregnant, so when I go into labour, please God, in five and a half weeks, that I will have to walk into the hospital on my own. Um, in labour until I'm in established labour and then my husband can join me. So you can have one support person with you once you're in established labour. All right, so nothing's changed with regards to the COMH. It's the final push that your partner can come in. There are other other maternity hospitals that don't allow partners in at all. No, no, no. Um, So look... Like, regarding CUMH, I have to say, Neil, and I just want to put this out there, they have been absolutely fantastic. I mean, like, I had appointments all the way up because I was classed as high risk. Um, And I mean, the safety, the precautions, you know, the jovialness of of the midwives in there. And they must have been under absolute huge pressure. But they never, ever showed it. And they never made me fearful. The safety and everything, I have to say, they're absolutely phenomenal out there.
Okay. What's the reason for restrictions during labour? Is it so that they don't have people wandering around the corridors? I presume so. Like, the whole restrictions was, so for antenatal appointments, like, my husband hasn't been able to attend any scan or any appointment with me. Um, true. So the whole restrictions was no support person in antenatal appointments, in labour, and during, uh, like, after the birth. That's, the um, that's a shame, really. In spite of the times mm-hmm. that we're living, and I understand mm-hmm. that... COVID's an issue and, and things like that. But of course, that's of an course. exciting time seeing the little yeah. baby on the monitor. Def- oh, definitely. I mean, I went in for my anonymous scan, which for people who don't know is the 20-week scan. Um, and that's the big one where they test the heart and, you know, all the organs and they reveal the gender at that as well. Um, if you so want to know, that is, isn't it? If you want to know. Yeah, yeah. So for that scan, to be honest, as good now, as I said, COMH are fantastic, but as good as they were, you know, I don't want to be complaining, but it looked in light of COVID and death during COVID and everything. I know it might sound trivial to some, but for me, being a first pregnancy, that scan was really particularly hard. It was So really why couldn't like, he, why couldn't he have been totally PP'd up just for that experience? I know. You see that's my thing and um I understand for antenatal appointments, so for clinical appointments for example, you could be sitting in there for two hours I understand that that you can't have, you know, like support people with people sitting in the corridors or in uh, a waiting room for two hours. You know, I yeah. totally understand yeah. that our safety and our baby safety is paramount, right? But I suppose for big things like that anonymous scan or like going into labour if one person was to come in with you for the support you know um, especially if it's dad or baby or whoever uh, for the duration of the labour and for big scans like that anonymy scan and they can be totally okay. PP'd up yeah. a temperature can be taken you know I just it's just really winding me up that the irresponsibility of people um, over the last number of weeks, you know, you've spoke about it time and time again um, regarding American flights now coming in, no self-isolation, no, sorry, no self-isolation, no quarantine, I mean, gatherings happening, yeah. house parties, yeah. pubs, yeah. but yes, I have to walk into labour on my own and, you know, what really pushed me to... And possibly the pubs opening on Monday, although exactly, the jury's out exactly, on that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and I suppose what really pushed me to do it, I heard a really sad story um, I'm on a pregnancy support group on Facebook and I heard a really sad story of a woman on that um, who I was discussing packing half of the bags and she happened to comment on my post and she said look be careful when you're packing half of the bags she said um, because she gave birth to during lockdown um, it wasn't in CMH it was in hospital up the country but she was trying to drag three bags with her in the thick of labour, um, walking into the hospital on her own. There was no porter. Um, there was no midwife, no one to help her. She actually fell over those bags and had to be picked up by somebody in a corridor. You know, I mean, during the most... Here's your bag. Time, you go through the front door on your own mm-hmm. to, to get yeah, the baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But and the only, the only, I know, it sounds awful and it's far mm-hmm. from ideal, but like a, a labour could be... 10, 20 hours, couldn't exactly. it? So exactly. Like, and probably, you, you, like there'd be men all over the place for 10 or 20 hours and you know what I, I mean? Know, I know. Like there, even if there was some solution that they could like, you know, walk us in, if there was some better solution then, you know, women sitting out in cars outside hospitals they don't know what established labour is, especially if it's your first baby. You know, you could be sitting out there for a few hours, things could go wrong. I know, yeah, you're trying to time it. So what, what no. about, say, for a first baby even, no? Mm. Like, no, that, no, am I being silly? Be, no, like this will be my first baby. and No, but I'm um, saying for, for the first baby that the partner could go in. I'm just... Oh, yeah. Uh, you know. 
I know, I know, and they, but then you have to think of like every labour is different, and whether it's your first or your fifth, you know, things can still go right. Like women still need, we need the support. Like, look, I'm a strong woman, Neil. I know I'll be fine on my own. I understand the safety of my baby's paramount. My pregnancy in particular um, is quite precious. It was an IVF pregnancy. So, look, I'm delighted for you. Thank you. Are you nervous? Is it? Are you kind of a bit anxious yeah, about it? I am. Like, to be honest, Neil, it's really. Um, at the last few weeks now, I've really been kind of sleeping, kind of wondering when is it going to happen, what's going to happen. Like, we live in East Cork, so we have to try and get to CUMH. And what happens then? Does my husband sit out in the car for 10 hours? Does he chance going home to Middleton and then come back? You know, there's just all this extra anxiety, you know, that I wish that there could be some solution to, you know? Years and years and years and years ago, men were very far away from all of this and they just waited for the call or they were downstairs waiting to hear the baby cry, you know, but the world has very much moved on since then. I knew. So, I was prepared. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. But do you remember, and do you kind of still see it in the old black and whites and he's pacing look, up and down by the fireplace? I know, I know. And look, my mother-in-law said the same to me. Um, and you know what? Like, as you said, it has come far from them. We now have the choice to have that support person in labour with us, you know. And we, women have exercised that choice all along, you know. And I understand, again, about the safety and everything COVID. I'm not taken from that. But I do think there has to be some solution. Like, how is it fair? Um, I just think in general, women's health is always kind of put to the bottom. And I think especially, like, you can go to a pub now, maybe come Monday, but you can't have a breast screening. You can go to a yeah, pub but pubs, aren't, labor, but you know pubs I mean? aren't, aren't, aren't health hubs, you know, that's the thing. Like. I know, I know, but still, you can, you know, there's gatherings, as there's planes coming in, you know, there's, but yes, I can't have somebody in PPE gear, maybe temperature checked, I don't know how it would work, but just something better than what it is. Okay, so so with own, that in you know? mind, you wanted to start the conversation on that and get this petition going. Exactly. Is this yeah, a petition? Yeah. Peti- is this petition specifically directed at CUMH? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, um, as I said, they have been absolutely fabulous. But look, I'm hoping they will take note of it, you know, and I am going to discuss it with my gynecologist at my 36-week appointment. Um, but... It's for any, every woman out there. As I said, I heard that story about the woman falling during lockdown. I mean, it's not just me. All the women on that pregnancy group are really anxious about these restrictions um, not being lifted by the time they go into labour, you know. And it really is a cause of huge anxiety on top of an already anxious and vulnerable, look, beautiful time, but also anxious and vulnerable time for women, you know. Okay. So it's not just for CUMH or myself. It's for the, every, every hospital. And just to see if there's something better that we can do. Okay, and how can people get in touch or, is it, is, it's change.org isn't it? It is change.org and I've um, shared it Brenda's been very kind, shared on your page so if people could get behind it, um, as I said, whether it's your first baby or your fifth Okay, year, check out our Twitter and Facebook page then you'll find yeah. full details of what yeah. Natalie's been in conversation with me about. Okay, well I, I don't know will I get to talk to you again before the baby's born? Um, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I'll update you how it goes. All right. Well, I'll talk to you before that then, hopefully. Cheers yes, for now. Thank Thanks, you. Natalie. Thank if you've you. got an opinion on that, get in touch. one 104 106 So that's with regards to a petition so that partners can get in for longer periods during the labour. And of course, uh, over the last week or 10 days, we've been talking about um, new parents wanting three extra months leave 
uh, will now have to deal with and make do with three extra weeks instead, in part uh, to recognise the challenges faced by mothers who gave birth during the COVID crisis. That all got kicked off, actually, when Kate, was it Kate, was saying, oh, for God's sake, get over it. All you want to do is go out and have coffee with yummy mummies and compare baby buggies and, you know, it was all a nonsense, she was saying, and that really got the cat amongst the pigeons. Anyway, during all of that, uh, and we were inundated with calls about extended maternity leave for parents with babies during COVID-19, but it did prompt one particular call from Gillian, And she was asking me the question at the time. She wanted to know if the extra maternity leave would cover parents who had stillborn babies. Um, and she, at this point in time now, is just finishing up uh, her maternity and going back. But we got to chat off the air, actually. And, um, oh, she's just, she's just so lovely, but it's just so tragic. Uh, the birth of her little sleeping baby boy, Alfie. Have a listen. On the 13th of August 2019, I gave birth to a sleeping baby boy, Alfie. On the run-up to the pregnancy, I had my 12-week scan. The nurse told me to come back in two weeks as she thought the scan was reading the wrong dates, which we returned. They thought the baby was a Down syndrome mm. or had a lot of fluid in the neck area. Yeah. So further to their investigation, they told me to come back the following week for a meeting with the consultant to diagnose the issue because the nurse isn't allowed to diagnose the issue. I did. Um, I did. I met up with the consultant. He told me he'd have to uh, send me to another consultant to verify that both of the uh, both of them would determine that it was a hundred percent. But you must have been really. You must have been going through the horrors with worry for those few weeks, were you? I, I was, Neil, but I tell you now, I was after losing my father as well, like, in the meantime. So, basically, it was like, I, we lost him unexpected. So, it was a case of, like, you know, grief was taken over and it was kind of like sh- numbness, yeah, shock, know, you know, I that know. way. Yeah, yeah, autopilot, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, I didn't feel real because I had no, I had no pain as such. You know, like, it just felt as the baby was growing away inside me and, you know, I was getting no symptoms of something bad happening, you know. And what did you make of the possibility of Downs? Well, I kind of got a shock, you know. I was kind of saying, geez, this is going to be like, um, you know, it's going to be a hard life, a hard road ahead of us, like, but we'd have to soldier on through it. I know, I know. You were prepared for it. But, of course, it wasn't Downs. Sure, it wasn't. No, no. As I say, now, the fluid showed up in the child's neck. So both of the consultants had the same outcome, result. So they then forwarded me onto an MRI scan. So they had to call me back again to say, basically, the scan is after showing up, our result is after showing up, because this happened in Dublin, they got the wrong diagnosis, so they wanted to be 100%. Mm. The doctor explained that. So, you know, mm. They were apologising, you know, like of all the, of all the, the you know, the positions I was kind of sent through. Yeah. So yeah. the consultant then referred me uh, to the pregnancy and loss nurse, she was very attentive now to her needs, you know, myself and my partner. I kept pre- pre- persevering with the pregnancy. Okay, just holding. just 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 to confirm what I have here is that the actual diagnosis was encephalitis, um, yeah. which is the inflammation of the brain where the brain grows outside of the skull. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was tragic, heartbreaking news for you. It was like even before it was scary to kind of think of like, 
you know, the night before he arrived, we were both scared of looking and imagining of, you know, imagine in our heads, what's this baby going to look like? Are we, you know, we're actually afraid to look at our own baby, which that's not a nice, you know, that's not a nice expectation for any parent to go through. And, you know, Orla came in and she kind of reassured us, look, this is normal, this is normality, you know, you're feeling, you know, the emotions of any person, you know, in this war that's been through your experience. So, um, they basically gave me the tablet on this Friday. But just again, without jumping ahead on, let me just on your behalf, but that was at 12 weeks when you were told that your little baby wouldn't survive. Were you, were you, were you given advice as to what you should do at that stage? Yeah, basically, well, it was, it was, I was sent from consultant to consultant. I, I was after meeting with two consultants and then the MRI and they were deciding between them and determining the results, yeah. you know, as, you know, just to be 100, 110% really. Yeah. And that this was the outcome. And they got the results and it was a case, they sat me down and they said, look, Gillian, this baby won't live outside the womb. Um, you know, you're going to have to end the, you're going to have to terminate your pregnancy. So I was kind of like, what? You know, myself, my partner were like, you know, like taken back and. Yeah. And why um, did you, why did you persevere? Why did you continue with the pregnancy? Because I was thinking in my own head, ah, sure, they might, maybe they might have, a, you know, in kind of very like, I'll do it myself, I'll do it on my own, you know, to prove someone. Yeah. You know, I'm small but stubborn kind of in them ways, whereas, you know, saying, okay, right, Maybe if I, you know, keep going on, will it, um, will it, you know, will the baby's head take shape? And yes, I know you, you were know. Hope, you were full of hope for the future and that things might yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. Living on hope. And yeah. when did you decide then um, that really it was time to terminate the pregnancy? Uh, it was twenty-two weeks. I was twenty-two weeks and five days. I was admitted, you know, into the hospital. No, first of all, I had to take the hospital tablet on the Friday and they admitted me in on the Monday because you know the pregnancy tablet would stop the hormones in your body pregnancy hormones yeah. and the Monday then they like give you like a tablet that dissolves in the inside of your gum so they had to give me that three times and and to bring on the pregnancy and Tuesday morning he arrived on the 13th, the 13th of August Little Alfie arrived, although you had it in your head that it was going to be a baby girl, didn't you? I did, I, yeah, because as I was down in the um, labour ward, um, the nurse says to me, um, oh, congratulations, you had a baby boy. And I was like, what? A baby boy? I said, I genuinely thought it was a girl. I said, because I thought, you know, maybe this went to, some people can't carry, like, different sexes. I don't know, is that true? But I, I just kind of put one of them, you know, notions into my head that maybe... It's a different sex that I can't carry because I had two boys previous. Well, there he was for you, small little man. But yeah, for, for, he, but forgive me, Gillian. Was was Alfie alive when he was born, or did he pass away in in your womb? Um, that's what I was asking the nurse, you know, because you know, with all the the hype, you know, on through, you know, pushing, and I said to the nurse, like, was he breathing? And she said, no. And I said, um, she's. I put it to her. I'm not going to get my birth cert. No, am I? And um, she said, no. Something you really um, want, isn't it, a birth cert? Yeah, of course. Like, 
there's a criteria with the birth cert that you have to be five, the baby has to be 500 grams. And they have to be after 24 weeks, but if they're before 24 weeks and they weigh 500 grams, and if they come out breeding with 500 grams, you get a birth cert. And do you but believe that all parents should get birth certs, regardless of how many weeks and what weight? Well, I think when there's a baby fully formed, Neil, you know, like it's a recognition of the little, you know, of her little uh, baby. And you, you say know, that I he think. and he was beautifully formed, wasn't he? Eyes, nose, he was, ears, he fingers, was, he was, toes. You know, he was, he he had everything. Bar now, as I say, I seen the defect in the head on the head, but a little half covered it, and he was, you know, he was long, he had legs, ten fingers, ten toes, you know. And like any normal baby, just the skin now was a bit um, delicate, which that's acceptable at that time. You, you must have been absolutely pregnancy. heartbroken with sadness, were you? I, you know what? It was my partner took it worse than me at the time, Neil, because I was the one carrying it. I think I was kind of, I was more in shock. You know, is this? I'm still kind of in shock. Is this after happening? And it's kind of hit me now, whereas at the time it really hit him because. You know, the baby was inside me. He got to hold the baby and, you know... I know, I know. Did you, did you bring Alfie like, home? I was... That was my um, plan to bring Alfie home. But as I say, my ten, I have a 10-year-old. My 10-year-old was very nervous of me bringing the baby home and they, on the Thursday. And he was like saying, Mom, look, you can't bring a baby home um, with the coffin. And I says, look, that's Alfie's home. He wants to stay there for one night. We can always say he stayed... But um, I had to have a word with the pregnancy and loss nurse and the Salicon group. And to be fair, they really encouraged us to bring the kids along and to go up and see them. They did like clay, they did the handprints, the fingerprints. Yes. And they gave us a beautiful memory box. They have all his like knitted little capes inside it. And um, they got Andrew to do the, the hands. They got him to hold him like in their, you know, certain way of talking around and by the time they actually finished with Andrew, Andrew actually had the coffin on his lap on the journey to the grave graveyard. Isn't that, that incredible work that Thalicon do? So Andrew yeah, yeah. his older brother, ten or eleven years yeah. old, carried his little mm -hmm. brother's coffin. Yeah, he had it on his lap going to the graveyard down to Black Rock. Oh, and my God. Um he put the you know, there was the fear was gone off him. The fear was like, oh, you know, he was his confidence is after building. You know, I just feel it's so unfair that you so much love there for you know, carrying him, giving birth to him, his brother and yeah. sister, the funeral and everything. I think it's grossly unfair that you don't get a birth cert or that he doesn't get it recognised as as um no. as part of your family. You know, no, like um, as I say, like if they don't get a birth cert, you don't like in this country. If you don't get a birth cert, you don't get a death cert. Then as well, you're not kind of not recognised as well on the register in the graveyard. Yeah, all of those Which, things, but it, it's it's yeah. just it's just very unkind, I think. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's and just so I would unkind. like to put that, you know, to the like, you know, Michal Martin, if he did come on air and you know, just a question, if someone could put that to him, you know. Um, I think I think Alfie and others like him, and I'd love to speak with other parents who have been in similar situations to yourself, but. Mm -hmm. I think I think Alfie deserves that. Really, it's just a respect yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, they do all of them. To be fair, now I got the uh, option of putting him in the baby, the angel baby plot in Blackrock. Yeah, 
or you can put put him with your family. So I put him with my father. So I know he's in good care, and you know the two of them have each other. And and but you know the work that the hospital did with us was just so outstanding. I know. Like they they came and they asked us as well. Did um, they sent a girl Julia up to me who asked me did I want Alfie christened? I said yes. So they bought Alfie down. We put messages on the um, the tree in the prayer room, you know, from the parents and Alfie's brothers. We wrote her and we put him on the tree, and she gave us gave us a baptism insert. Then on the Friday, they did, we did another ceremony of you know the send off to the grave, played music, prayers again, and you know it was just the overall cocooning up in the hospital of the way they treated us. On the, you know, the Don't talk floor. to me about cocooning because with lockdown you couldn't get counselling or couldn't uh, get yeah, advice from get like that, bereavement no. groups or, or meet with Felicon or you know no, talk with people. No, nothing like that. And are you are you heading back to work soon? Then is that the case? Well, I'm on my maternity finished there about um, on the twentieth of June, so I'm on holiday. I'm on holidays as such, which will bring me up to August. But now, if the three months came upon, like I would avail of it and you know use my time. If you got an extension, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, course, do you, yeah, and, yeah, and hopefully you will. And and I don't know whether that would be what kind of categories they'd use, but fingers crossed it will include yeah. you. But do you talk? Do you talk to people? Do people ask you about the pregnancy and the loss of your son? Yeah, like I find it good to talk. Like I wouldn't bottle it up, you know. Like because at you know at this stage, like everyone wants their mother when they have a baby, no matter what age they are. But my mother wasn't there. My mother kind of has dementia. Oh, my But she is there, but she has dementia. And it was kind of like, you know, I was up in the hospital. That part would, was upset me as well, you know, like know. saying, yeah, know. how can I go down and tell my mom? I have to wait. Do I tell her? Do we bring her to the hospital? And it was very upsetting, you know. You're carrying a heavy cross at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. was saying, you know, I was just saying, like, do I upset my mother? Will I bring, you know, bring on it? That part as well hurt me on my mother. But I did explain to her, you know, um, well, she's kind of short-term memory loss, yeah, so yeah. kind of oh, come and go. Yeah. You know, but she does know that he existed. Well, ah, yeah. Like, yeah. that was another part I couldn't have her at the funeral, you know, that way. But listen, um, listen, it's good, it's good to talk, you say, and that's why I'm glad that you took the opportunity to come on, you know, and I appreciate yeah. that from you. I'm just wondering, like, people in my circumstances, like, you know, veiling us, counselling and things like that, you know, I don't know what way they worked it out with the COVID-19 up in the hospital. Did the parents, like, when when you're in hospital, they also leave the partner stay. They treat the partner the same, the father, the same way as they treat the mother. Mm. Which mm. is, you know, very good. Very good. But I was just wondering in my own mind, I was, you know, I was thinking of floor four and I was saying, like, is this happening? Do they have to be sent home? Because the next time, like, I know people are giving out about their babies. Oh, they can't see them for two or three days. What's two or three days and seeing your baby... At a gravesite, you I know, know that and way. A small little white coffin. I know. Well, listen. Yeah. Let Let's see if we can get other people to share stories um, and get a, a little bit more insight into, you know, as, I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's ironic, really, because it all started with Kate talking about yeah, mothers only wanting to go out for coffee mornings and comparing each other's buggies, and in the past few days, then I've heard all sorts of different stories of labour and childbirth, and no two pregnancies yeah. are the same, you know. No, 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 no. Thanks so much for taking my call. 
that was a conversation from a few days ago uh, and I'm obliged for, to Gillian for sharing. Felicon was uh, an organisation, a not-for-profit group that she mentioned during the course of that chat. Stillbirth and Neonatal Death Association of Ireland. Uh, it's not-for-profit uh, and the aim is to support anyone affected by the death of a baby during pregnancy or shortly after pregnancy. And it was formed by a group of bereaved parents who supported each other after the death of their own babies. They do terrific work, www.felicon.ie, F-E-I-L-E-A-C-A-I-N.ie, felicon.ie. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106. Okay, it's been a busy 24 hours, hasn't it? Where Barry Cowan gets sacked, um, Apple went to Ireland, I mean, Ireland is it you and me, really. I'm not so sure that we're all on board with that. They win their case against the EU and the 13 billion that won't have to be paid over. Neffet came out and expressed worries about uh, the spike, particularly in young people in COVID, and that could affect pubs on Monday, nightclubs as well. Uh, also, uh, hotels being able to open their doors in full. And then we're waiting on the green list of countries. We should have a lot more clarity on that this afternoon. Now, um, there's never enough hours in the day. Quite an amount of texts and emails. And I want to do some shout outs as well. We also have passes for Spike, Photo Wildlife Park, Cork City Jail, Blarney Castle, St. Mary's Collegiate and Yall, Yall Clock Tower that climb up to the top of the Tower Gate, Michael Collins House in West Cork, down to the Queenstown Story in Cove, and also the fantastic Skibbereen Heritage Centre. If you want to head away, we have family passes for all of those. If you want to get away for a day, you can go ringing the Shandon bells, whale watching, stuff like that. Now, if you have been contacting me on Instagram, I will be printing all of those off later on today and we'll do some of the Instagram shout-outs uh, tomorrow and on Friday's programme. Mind you, I did get one here. I love the show. I listen every morning. would love to get a voucher from my dad, Stephen Kelleher from Palafihan. He's teaching me to drive at the moment. No easy task, smiley face. He's so patient and encouraging. I'd love to be able to treat him to a pizza uh, as a thank you for all the hours he's spending with me in the car. That's a lovely text. It came into my Instagram page from Melissa. So we do have Oak Fire pizzas to give away uh, and we're giving them away uh, to you know, calls, texts, comments, things like that. And they have three locations, Princess Street in the city, Bridge Street in Bandon, Ross Street in Clonakilty, Click Collect, and they're also part of the Eat on the Street initiative on Princess Street, open every day, 3 to 10. You can book at oakfarpizza.ie. Um, and I will come back to a couple of shout-outs this side uh, of midday, but I've got about six minutes to cover a lot. I don't know if I get to all of the calls, guys, but I'll, I'll do my best anyway. James, good morning. Good morning, uh, Neil, and so, thanks for taking my not call. Not at all. So, long now, Neil. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted with that result, Neil. Oh, I, that's it. That you case. want to talk about Apple not having to pay the tax. Okay. Yes, I'm delighted that we won that case, Neil. We? Uh, because they were accusing us of giving state aid to Apple, more or less accusing us of, of being like a, uh, a tax haven like the Virgin Islands. And now the ruling is we were not giving state aid and tax. And uh, Apple are tax compliant. They paid every penny that was owed to, to us, Neil. And, but uh, their I'm tax rate, man, their tax rate is 0.005%. Uh, you know, uh, case people know, Apple are the biggest taxpayers in the world, Neil. Not they're in Ireland, though, they're not. Sorry? Not in Ireland, they're not. Oh, but around the world, Neil, they're, they've paid 100 billion in the last eight years, Neil. 
of tax, you know, just in case people don't think they don't pay tax, you know. Also, that European Commission, Neil, I'm delighted that they're put back in their box. Uh, they're normally bully us into doing whatever they feel like us, whether we should do. But somebody a while ago said that their bank account, their company bank account was frozen by revenue. Revenue can do that, incidentally, and they only, they'll only do it if, you're, if you owe them money and you're not paying. Their bank account was frozen for, eight, for an €8,000 tax debt. But Neil, uh, this European Commission, Neil, are the same Euro- Commi- European Commission who bullied us into lumbering us with those bank debt, Neil. They've forced us to pay every senior bondholder, every junior bondholder. They've lumbered us with debt for generations to come, Neil. Right. So it's time that someone stood up to them, Neil. John? And, uh, Good so morning, Neil. What do you think? I'm delighted that James is so happy because I'm as pissed as a nude from it. Okay. We have, we've been running an escrow account on behalf of Apple. So tell me now that Apple got their money back now. Does that mean that they paid the bill for the, the barrage of accountants that have been minding their money? That we've been minding their money on their behalf? Well, that's an interesting point because uh, the European Commission will now also have to pay Ireland's legal costs, which run to eight and a half million euro in legal costs. One of the uh, senior counsels has been paid 612,242 euro for work on the case. Yeah, well, just like this now, Neil, if you were going on holidays and you asked me to drive your car into the car park, you came back, who should pay the bill? You or me? Me? Yeah, well, there you go. That's Apple. So we, we've been minding their money and we've been paying a team of accountants to mind it and make sure that it was invested correctly on their behalf the, in the, an escrow account. Yeah, the problem here is whether or not people accept that the rate of tax that Apple pay is fair. One at a time, one at a time, pennies. The court has made its ruling, Neil. I believe in due process. Maybe this other (laughs) gentleman doesn't. And we must accept it, Neil. Well, due process. We should never have went into the EU. There's due process here. We voted no. And we were conned. The people were conned when Behal Martin and then the kidney sat down in the love seat together and taught everybody to could be the best thing we ever done to to, to vote twice. Uh, Listen, that's another day and another yeah, story. Well, but yeah, right well, now, we could certainly yeah. have done with 14 billion euro, James. We wouldn't have got that money. If you ruled against us, that would have been dispersed about between 50 countries, Neil. But you wouldn't have got that money on its own, Neil. How do you know that? But like, that was Ireland's that's tax that's money. That's a fact, yeah. Neil. Let's check it out. Check it out. You'll find it soon, Neil. Check it out. Okay. But you're Michael, Michael Noonan taught them first. They forget about it. We don't want the money. And I, so even though that man might be disagreeing with me now, Neil, I do agree. But I don't. I don't. I've no time for the European Union. I rather we went in there. All right. Okay. Leave it at that. Much obliged to both of you. Love some uh, pizza from my parents, Norma and Joe O'Driscoll, who'll be 40 years married on the 26th of July. From Orla Graham, Ian and all, Ian and all the family. My name is Tia. I'd love one of your tourist vouchers um, for maybe the Spike Island or Cork Jail for myself and my partner. We've been working through the pandemic. We'd love a break in one of those lovely day trip locations. Please say hi to Abby and Joey Collins and Don Manway. They've been rock stars during the COVID madness. They never complained about the restrictions and would love an Oak Farb pizza as a treat. My two brilliant sons, Jake and Ryan and Carrick Tool, so well behaved through all of this, while both myself and my hubby Gary worked through, worked through it. We have two weeks off starting next week, and we'd love one of the family days out 
or maybe a pizza voucher, says Jennifer. We'll sort you out with something. I'd love a pass um, for one of, or a food voucher. I'm a frontline worker with the Brothers of Charity, working all through the pandemic. I'd love a chance to take my little girl there when I have a day off, says Leanne from Yall. Well, it'd be nice maybe to get you something in Yall, maybe. Maybe, well, maybe some money get out of Yall travel a little bit but we'll certainly have something for you and thank you for your work in the Brothers of Charity um, we'd love to sit uh, down outside on the street on Princess Street and enjoy the atmosphere and the pizza would be a nice break from online courses every day for the last five years says Brian somebody else then wants to treat all friends and family to some pizza Mark Kelleher and Rylan he's flat out cutting the grass at the moment and one final one um, have you anything perhaps for myself and my brother he's autism and although he's in his 20s he found lockdown as hard because it was so isolating now he's learning how to get back out into the community and finding the new style of social interaction equally hard to adapt to we're going to new places and getting back into socialising every day so a trip for him would be a great treat uh, and he would be learning experiences as well. So there's some lovely text to 0868 104 106. We'll wrap it up after the break. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.